Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm your host, Corey Howell, and I'm here as always with Chris Gladden. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Um, actually, really good. Uh, so, I guess, uh, first things first, um, we have some exciting news um, for the group in general, I guess, just all together. Um, there's been some kind of changes with some of our sponsors, and, and um, we've got a really good opportunity, and, and we linked up this week with Through the Decades. Um, and through the decades is probably, I mean, not probably is the biggest card shop in Louisville. Yeah. Um, and, and they do all kinds of stuff. I mean, they are the center of competitive magic here in Louisville. Um, they also do, uh, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. they do pretty much, you know, most big card games that you would, you would play. Um, and they also do a lot of sports cards and, and memorabilia and stuff like that. Um, they've also got some like um, like board games. I know they do some D and D stuff, and they've got like some Funko Pops and mer- kind of merchandise collectors kind of stuff, you know, in there also. Um, they've got a really good space. Uh, it's kind of century located um, on on Hurstbourne, so it's it's on the East End in Louisville, mm-hmm. um, which I know a lot of people in our group had been asking for us to partner with. Um, a store in the East End. Um, I guess that's you know obviously probably more loc- located near most of our members. Yeah, um, I mean it's I mean it's pretty much the center of Louisville of yeah. that area. Yep. I mean it seems like where Hurstbourne and Taylorsville kind of come together yeah. is like one of the busiest places there in the entire state. Shelbyville. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean those two intersections for sure. And, and you know <clears throat> it's only really a few minutes from from Rec Bar also. I yeah. Mean, absolutely. So. Um, our, our, you know, going forward, our two bases of operation kind of are not going to be too far from one yeah, another. Absolutely, um, and uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned that they were kind of the hub for uh, competitive magic, but they're also trying to get more into the casual magic yep, side, which, which is, is kind of where we're stepping yep, in, absolutely, um, and trying to help promote um, some more casual magic. So that'd be, you know, like Commander and and just a non-competitive atmosphere it, where you don't have to come in. And uh, you know, worry about winning prizes and stuff like that. It's just about coming or in, or you and just playing having some fun. Games and, yeah, yeah, it's I just mean, about having fun. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because realistically, I think the line between competitive and casual play gets blurred a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to me, competitive is just like, you know, like for instance, when we're playing, a lot of times, if someone makes a mistake, you know, they forget to play a card. Or they forget to tap something, or do something, or they forget to—I don't know—anything, um, right? That, or they just—they just miss something that's on the table. That's what I'm like, saying. They miss a like trigger. There's something that's, yeah, you know, something that's going to happen because you are playing this card that's going to disadvantage you. Yeah, it's like people will be like, "Hey, are you sure you want to do that?" Yeah, or <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, there's so there's a lot of things, right? It's more just about. It, from in my experience, the casual is just more forgiving. Mm-hmm. So we're there to, I mean, to really, and it's honestly, it's a good way to improve. I think, I mean, for me, because um, if, if you're in a competitive situation and there is no room for, oh, well, let me go back and do this. Like that, that is a good learning experience in some respects, but in my opinion, it's a better learning experience to learn the line of play. Yeah. Because I mean, if you, if you mess up in a competitive environment, um, you might be too upset about that mistake to really learn from it. Cause all you're thinking about is like, man, I shouldn't have made that mistake. Like that yeah. was really dumb of me instead of it being like, okay, I recognize that mistake. Hopefully I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to the board state or, right. or what's going and, on. And for me, you know, normally, I mean, your decks have pretty consistent lines of play that like you're going for every game. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm in a, a casual situation and I forget something and then I'm allowed to actually do it, 
it reminds me. I, I'm, I get more into the mode of doing it. So right. that the next time that it comes around, I'm like, oh, I need to do this mm-hmm. before the end of my turn, or I need to do this at his end step or whatever. Whereas I feel like in a competitive environment where it's like that dialogue's just internal, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh shit, I should have done this. Like I'm gonna forget because yeah. I didn't go through the motion of tapping my mana right. and playing the card or tap you know or tapping something or what doing whatever it was. Whereas for me that 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 action of whatever I forgot is is reinforced by actually doing yeah. it. And I mean the other thing that I kind of look at with casuals is that it feels more like being at home, right? Like yeah, you can sure. kind of get up from the table for a second if it's not you know oh, if you just finish sure. your turn, you know unless there's something really vital that's about to happen, you can just get up. Run to the bathroom real quick after your turns over. Grab a snack, come back, and you know you're not under a lot of pressure, right? You know, whereas if you're in a tournament, like you can't. I mean, you can get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of a tournament, but now those minutes um, are are gone from that match. You know, right? Like you still only have 55 minutes to finish that match, and then on top of that, like it's just kind of bad form in that situation where. As in a casual format, it's like, okay, yeah, just Not go ahead and deal. run. You might miss out on a counter spell that you could have cast that could have made some kind of difference, but it's like, it's not that big a deal. It's just casual anyway. Right. So, you know. And, it, you know, it's obviously, it's a more social thing. We're there, mm-hmm. you know, um, to have fun and 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 learn and enjoy the game right. um, instead of enjoying being competitive at the game. Right. Now, and this is, the, this is where I say the line gets blurred is because that is not to say that we don't play seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're playing to win. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Absolutely. It's not like we're just like, oh, whatever happens, happens. I mean, yeah, there is some of that. Like, I don't think anyone really walks away upset a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we do want to win. Our decks are built to win. They're mm-hmm. not, they are certainly not, I mean, at least the level that we play at, I don't, I, at least recently, is not entry level by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it yeah. is probably what I would call a 75% competitive level. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'll say is that if you're somebody that wants to play Magic, you know, we've been, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, um, we're happy to teach you. Yep. And I know that Through the Decades is happy to teach you. Um, you know, I spoke with Alex yesterday, and, you know, he even mentioned that, uh, you know, if people wanted to come in and learn to play that they'll they'll teach you how to play, um, you know, depending on how busy they are or whatever, and and they'll even give you like a free deck or something like that to to yeah. take home and, and you know practice yep. and, and get better with. And uh, you know, if, I mean, if you show up to one of our events, of course we're we're there and able to teach you. Also. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I didn't mean to scare anyone away by saying <clears throat> our decks are competitive because at the same time um, we play with people whose decks are all over the place mm-hmm. and, and, and really. Um, it's kind of interesting, right? Because it would be different if one person had had a really competitive deck and no one else did. Yeah. Um, but because there are maybe, let's say, one person with a pre-constructed deck that is not very competitive at all, it's, he's very new, whatever, yeah. you have maybe two people that are, are 75% competitive, you know, very good, very well-tuned decks, mm-hmm. and you have some a guy that's somewhere in the middle, maybe he's made some changes to a pre, his pre-constructed, right? Right. Typically, what you'll find is in that situation, the two guys that have the competitive decks are probably keeping each other in check. Yeah. And then the other guys are still able to play and keep up. Yep. Because it's not like the guy that's seventy five percent competitive is just you know shitting on the guy with a preconstructed yeah. deck. Yeah. And I mean because the, it doesn't make sense to do that because yeah. if he does that, his bigger threat at the table, the other guy with the really competitive deck, mm-hmm. is going to win. Right. And, and I mean the other thing is is you know you can like with a hundred card deck, um, you can usually play it in a way where you're not going a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if you're playing a preconstructed deck. 
it you, that deck's only made to play one way. But like my dragon deck, I mean, there's ways that I can just kill somebody, you know, in one turn. But I generally just don't do it because I want the game to either last longer or there's not anybody that's enough of a threat at that time to do that. You know, that kind of thing. And I I do my line of play in a way that makes the game more fun. Now, if somebody just became way too powerful and it's like obvious they're going to win the game the next turn, I'm going to try to shut that down. But if, um, you know, we have p- players at the table and, you know, you've got casual players and stuff like that. I'm not going to go 100% the whole time, you know, with, with that particular deck because I want people to still enjoy themselves. And, right. You know, I've specifically not put certain cards in my decks just because it tones the power level down just a little bit. Um, and it keeps me from even having that option if I wanted to 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 go to, a hundred, you know, 110%, I guess, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, I think that in the in the casual formats you're going to have more people that are going to be like that their their decks are built one way but they're not really worried about you know i I mean i'm not going to go home and say hey i won three games out of the four games that we play you know i'm not no nobody here is going to be you know calculating that but it does feel good to win i mean i'm not going to take that away from anybody um but you know we're not keeping tabs either right yeah nobody's nobody's really worried about it you know so don't feel like if you're interested in playing that you're going to be, you know, left in the dust. I mean, you can play a preconstructed deck um, and still have fun. Um, and, and I mean, if you really want to play, well, really. It, it, yeah. I mean, if and if you want to have a preconstructed deck, I mean, we can. I mean, we've still got preconstructed decks that we can play with you too. If you're really just wanting to learn, um, and then hopefully you can add a couple cards to that and start getting a little. Yeah, bit Yeah, I, I will say, deck. you know, what what I've typically seen happen is that somebody will have a preconstructed deck. Um, and they enjoy the game, but they enjoy, like the, the my only problem with the preconstructed deck is a lot of the thing the fun things that you can do in Magic they don't let you do. Yeah. Um, and and they're just while they because they're just not focused. I mean that's the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Is they they do a, they do they're trying to do a couple different things. Yeah, they have three things that they're trying to yeah, do because there's and, technically like three, three commanders in there, right? And so. They don't do any one of those very well. Mm-hmm. So typically what you end up with is a handful of stuff that's like some of your hand is trying to do this thing and some of your hand yeah. is trying to do this thing. And it's just very hard um, to be consistent that way. So, you know, you'll usually see people I've never I don't think we've ever played with anybody that was new and played a pre-constructed deck that was put off by like playing against a more competitive deck. If anything, I think it gets them more interested in the game. Yeah. Because you're like, well, shit, look at look at what he's doing. Yeah. I want to do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we first started playing Commander, uh, playing, I think we played against some kind of mono green deck, and it was like turn five, and the dude had like 12 lands out. And I'm like sitting over here with... You know, my four, Probably Sam's, my four yeah. lands. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Sam. And I'm sitting here with my four lands, and I'm like, man, like that's the, it seems like he's having way more fun. Than yeah. me. Like I need to, I need to be able to do that. So, and yeah, I mean, like if you want to upgrade some of those deck, you know, those pre-constructed decks, it, you know, you, there's a lot of budget options to be able to do. Yeah, that. and there's a lot of value in there too, right? So, I mean, that's the other thing. The good thing about the pre-constructed decks is, I, well, let me let me rephrase it. Previous to this last set. Um, the pre-constructed decks were very good at having value cards in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking, I mean, what, uh, is it the Mark Edgar Markov deck yeah, that has Teferi's Protection? Protection? That's like a $25 card. Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, when, re, for retail, that's basically pays for the deck. Yeah. 
Um, not to mention that he's a very good commander, and that's a very good deck, anyways. Um, and you know, you talk swords to plowshares and um, and tombs and reanimates. Mm-hmm. I mean, those cards are like these good cards are in some of these pre-constructed decks. Soul Ring is in every one. Command yeah. Towers in a lot of them. I mean, these are these are cards worth money that will be in most of the commander decks that you build if they have those colors in them. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the 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 real reason I like the pre-constructed as a starting point is because. A, it's going to let you know whether you even like the game. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. You, there's a, a very low, you know, cost to get into it. Yep. Um, and, and B, they're easy to upgrade because they have a lot of those good cards in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, it's not like you're having to go buy all these staples that like somebody's saying. Oh, you know, I mean, everyone will tell you you need a soul ring in your deck. Well, guess what? It's got one. Yep. So you don't need to spend that five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that allows you to spend that five dollars somewhere else on on cards that might do something that's m- more fun or more yeah, you know targeted or, or whatever like that. So um, I think the preconstructors are a good jumping off point, and I don't yeah. I, just, I didn't want to put anybody off by saying our decks are relatively competitive because I think that they are, but I also think that given our typical composition of a four man game, it's usually never an issue, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And what honestly happens a lot of times is the guy that's playing the pre-constructed deck, like because he doesn't seem like such a threat, is able to build his board state over the oh, course yeah. of the game, mm-hmm. and he's not catching any of the counter spells or, or removal spells or any of that stuff Yeah, because people are trying to get rid of the bigger threats on the board, and then all of a sudden... He plays his big bomb He thing. plays his fucking bomb <laughs> or board wipes everybody, and you're like, all right, well, shit, where'd that come from? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, too. Even as just a valid strategy in general, right? Um, not even if it's, you're not playing a pre-constructed, just sitting back there and kind of minding your own business until mm-hmm. you know it's time where you can turn the tide. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be said about the politics of playing commander. Um, you know, which is being why the quiet guy, being the quiet guy in the background. You know, like sometimes people will start talking about threats on the board, and I'm just completely quiet because I don't want any, I don't want any of that attention, right? You know, and and other times it's like you know you throw that gentle nudge. It's like man. You know, he's got that artifact that's like messing with everybody. We should probably get rid of it. Yeah. It's like, it's the thing that's holding me back, and I don't have anything for it. It's like, yeah, that is, bu- that's holding me back too. So, you know, somebody else, and somebody <laughs> else, else got the answer up. for yeah. that. You know, and I mean, those, those little things that, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, if you think about, um, the politics of playing that game, you know, I, I, we've, we've covered this before, but just to kind of talk about it again a little bit is that, uh, politics are like getting free cards or free mana sure you're because doing, you're if i don't an, have an impact yeah if i don't have the ability to destroy something and somebody else does and because i say something and they do it i mean that's that's virtual like card not advantage. only not only is that <laughs> me getting a free card that's me not spending my mana that's my opponent having one less card that's my opponent not casting that against me and it's using their mana so that's five like five different things that that's that very did, good, right? I mean, 100%. because you were able to just be like, "Hey, you know, this is this is like messing with everybody. You should you should see if you can get rid of that." You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and 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 it's not like I don't think that it's being like manipulative, like, but it is part it, of I mean, the game. It can be right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that it's not. Like, not, I'm not doing it, like, because I've got a way evil. to deal with it. Yeah. It, it's not evil, right? It's just, I mean, it still is. You could potentially be, I mean, right. if you're, 
leading someone on to believe that they should do it in order so that you get an advantage. I mean, that is sort of an well, I mean, I guess. But it's playing I, just, the, just not the negative side of manipulative is what I'm trying to say. Like, if I can deal with it myself, I try to do it that way. But if I have nothing that I can do and, you know, I need some help with it, I'm going to be like, hey, can anybody deal with this? Right. Uh, it's going to be a problem next turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. No, for sure. Thing. And, I mean, um, and, and the politics of it is why we like Commander as a casual format, right? Mm-hmm. Because it allows you to interact with your friends. Yeah. You know, in, in a competitive, you know, standard format of Magic where you're sitting across from an opponent, you're not talking and, and mm-hmm. bullshitting and, and trying to, you know, have a little fun like that, like trying to you know, goad people into counterspell and stuff. Or, yeah. Or, you know, um, doing that, those kind of things. So, so for me, I think that's a lot of fun and it, it adds to the social part of it. Yeah. Um, where you're, you, you feel more like you're having fun with your friends because of that aspect. Yeah. Whereas when you're just playing a competitive format, it's like, well, I'm just going to go play the game and that's it. I might as well be playing Magic Online, honestly. Right. Because that's it. I'm just playing my cards against their cards. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not, you know, we're not having fun. I mean, right. there's not, I mean, that, that can happen, I guess, on it for a competitive format, but I would imagine it's a lot less common. Uh, I mean, I usually, in, in the intermissions, I usually have conversations with people and stuff like that and try to, you know, if the my, if my opponent had a good, though. if my opponent had like a decent game, I'll, I'll discuss it with them and, and talk strategy. But usually I'll just try to find some people that, you know, I usually meet up with and talk to them. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that's why it's more fun to go to like Grand Prix and stuff like that, which those are going to be called something else soon. Yeah. But when I went to Grand Prix, I'd like to go with friends because after each match, you have, you know, 20 minutes or so before your next match so you just go find your friends and kind of talk to them about uh what happened and maybe maybe talk about the the bad beat that you just got (laughs) or or whatever but uh it's a way to kind of blow off steam but one thing i was going to say about kind of the casual format too is that in like in those situations you can kind of discuss um, ways to improve your deck and stuff like that. And you can do that in competitive magic too, but that's not going to be as likely. But if you're in the middle of the game and it's like you're in a situation where you're just really far behind, you know, you can discuss it. Like, you know, what could I do with my deck to be yeah. able to be where you guys are at this moment? And it's like, well, a lot of people just don't understand the value of what ramp is. And if you don't understand or what ramp draw is, or something, yeah, right? I mean, and if you don't know what ramp is, it's just a way to get more mana for every turn. So you're, you're able to do more things every turn. Um, and newer players don't understand the benefit of that as much. It's just like, well, I mean, you know, I just, I play a car or I play my land and then I play one card a turn. But if you can play two cards a turn and then you can draw Another two. card every turn. Say you know, two, two cards. We talk about two cards. There's been. Th- I mean, I'll play as many cards as I can. Well, yeah, I'm just <laughs> saying. But it, but it, you're doing twice as much stuff if you're casting right. two cards. And the and more then, that you're doing, the less your opponents are doing. Right. And the more you're putting yourself, because uh, ideally every card in your deck it puts you closer to winning. Right. So the more cards you're playing, the closer you're getting to win, yeah. winning every time you play something. Until somebody board wipes you, and then you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> I shouldn't have played that card last turn. I'm yeah. getting greedy, but, but that's no, okay, though. But, I mean, that's, <laughs> but that's also part of the learning process, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that's a good point is how we've um, – and I've noticed a lot of times, too, um, you know, I, and especially myself, I like to – if I'm playing with someone that's newer or someone that doesn't – even if I, they are experienced, you know, and they make a play that I think that they could have done differently, mm-hmm. like, hey, man, if you had done that backwards, this trigger would have – you would have gotten a trigger on this card that you just played. Yeah. And then you would have gotten to draw another card. Mm-hmm. Instead of pl- the way that you played it, you 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 know, you know missed out on that card draw. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so just those little tidbits of, hey, maybe you can consider doing it this time, this way next time, or or have you added this kind of card because that would work really well with these kind of two, these two when you've got them on the board yeah. or, or whatever. You know, um, I, those kind of things are fun for me because it helps me think and helps me learn too. Yeah. Um, but I also think it, you know, I, I like to think that adds value for people too because, you know, we're not – we're trying to help everybody get better and, right. and learn the game and have fun. Um, and those are the kind of things that are fun when your plays feel synergistic and you're doing a lot of cool shit. Yep. You know, it's fun to be like, oh, I'm going to play this and I'm going to play this. And because I played this, I get to do all this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, th- and those things are fun. Yeah, it's um, much more fun to be able to do that than just play one card a turn. Yeah, and, for sure. And hope that that card is getting you closer. But, you know, I mean, I don't want, again, you know, the pre-constructed decks are going to be a little bit more like that where you're, you're not going to have as much of that, but that lets you um, kind of worry less about what you're doing and start looking at what other people are doing and starting to understand the game. And I think a that's also, jumping off yeah. point, yeah, for sure. Um, and and I was also going to say that uh, you know with TTD, um, you know they've got the largest selection of Magic cards that I've ever seen in a store in my life. So. Um, you know, if you are looking for, for cards and stuff like that, like they've probably got it. Um, yeah, only and, one time have they not had the card I needed and it was, and it was some just random, it was Mana Vortex, <laughs> yeah. which I mean is, is a, is an old ass card. Yeah. It's not played a lot because mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's good in Moldratha. That is yeah. it. I mean, blowing up your lands and everybody, blowing up everybody else's lands is good. Blowing up your lands and everybody else's lands is kind of questionable. Yeah. Unless you can cast those lands from your graveyard, then mm-hmm. you don't care. So, yeah, I mean, that's, but that's the only time. Any other time I've gone in there, I mean, they had, they were missing, maybe, I lied, they were missing some, like, some of the rat cards that yeah. I was looking for. But they're like commons from mm-hmm. random sets. I mean, they're like 30 cent cards. Right. That, why would you have it? You know, no one builds yeah. it. I was just picking rats, and mm-hmm. they had other rat cards that were able to take the place. It really wasn't like I needed those specific ones. Yeah. But any any card that you read about online, if you're new or you're looking into it, building a deck, I guarantee you they're going to have it. Right. And, I mean, they, you know, I've been going to TTD since probably, I don't know, 2012. So I've got, you know, a re- maybe even earlier. Now, I can't remember when they opened, but it was something like that. Um, so, you know, I've developed a bit of a relationship with them and I can tell you that, you know, their staff, um, granted, I mean, you know, staff at most card stores are going to be pretty knowledgeable, but their staff, um, for, for magic are insanely knowledgeable. I mean, oh, yeah, you, for sure. if you mention any card, it, it doesn't matter how random it seems like the card that I'm asking for. It's like they turn around and they're going through a box and they already know what, what set, set it's, it's in. in yeah. And I'm just like, dude, like, how do you, like, this is such an obscure card. <laughs> you know exactly what set it is. You know what it does. And, I was impressed by know. that, too, because <laughs> that happened to me uh, last week when I was there getting some cards. And, um, you know, I asked, and, and so the guy that um, that was helping me was a Pokemon guy or a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. So he was just kind of helping because it was early in the day. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was the ma- there for Magic was uh, – taking in a trade so he was like going through a deck and, okay. and getting value so he was just busy and so the guy that was helping me was like having to ask the other guy like hey he's looking for this and he was like um that's in this one and i'm like what how do you know man like <laughs> how do you know specifically that card printed in this set right. in this set like ah, it's just crazy to me but yeah they're for sure knowledgeable um and, and they're I'm, also help able to help you kind of like build your decks too i mean sure um you know, I, I wouldn't always recommend this um, for for everybody, but I mean, you know, I've 
dropped off lists of entire commander decks and and come back a couple hours later and uh, and there it is like yeah, ready to go. I've done that. I mean, um, at least twice. Yeah, where I've gone in and said. I, you know, I might have some cards already, but I'll have the whole list on my phone mm-hmm. and just hand it to them and say, I need the rest of the stuff that's not checked off. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're they're really, really good about that. Um, and, again, they're, they've always been really helpful in, in, in helping you find, you know, that card that you might not even know that the card exists, but you're like, hey, in red, is there a card that does something like this? Right. Because um, I need something to be able to help me with you know, board wipes or something like that. And is there a way for me to, to get around that? Can I counter that? Can I do something else with it? You know, and there's, there are ways out there. Um, and they've always been really helpful with being able to, to find those, those ways. And yeah, no, I'm so I'm super excited for our partnership. We're, um, working out some events that we're going to do with them. So they're going to, I mean, they're, they're, they're really wanting to participate in a lot of stuff that we do, and you know, set up board game nights and set up D and D nights and magic nights and and help provide, like you said, get you know, give cards and door prizes and things to help you know get people in and playing games mm-hmm. and help you know have us have a good time. Um, you know, we did have our weekly Magic Mondays at Cardinal, which is not going to be happening anymore. Um, so we're going to be either doing um, Magic at TTD weekly on Mondays or Wednesdays. We have not solidified what day that's going to be. Um, this week, this week we will probably not do it at all, um, solely because Chris is going to change his work schedule changed. So he's out on Monday, um, this week, and then I am out of town for work on Wednesday. So both the days that we were going to do it, potentially we're, we're both kind of indisposed. So, yeah, but next week we're for sure, whether, whether it is Monday or Wednesday, we're going to do it. We just have to nail it it down and figure out when that's going to be. Um, so if you guys uh, normally join us at Cardinal, I mean, you're still more than welcome to go to Cardinal and play Magic on Monday, you know, um, but we won't be there um, and we're not going to be doing that anymore. We're going to be rescheduling and, and doing that at TTD from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, re- you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a really good opportunity for... We might start a little earlier too. Since- yeah. So I will be, yeah. So I don't work very far from TTD at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will probably yeah, be there. It takes me 15 minutes to get there. Yeah. I mean, I took me, I, it takes me eight. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you're literally like right around yeah, the corner. Literally, literally I, like when we when we met um, with them, I left at 4:51 and I was there at 4:59. So uh, it was something like something crazy like that. But um, so we yeah we'll probably be start at 5:30 or so just yeah. to be safe 5:15 something like that. Um, but we'll be there you know probably until nine or ten at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think are they open that late on the week? Yeah, they're open until yeah. 10, ten. I think okay. every so yeah we'll day. probably you know be there until until we're done playing really. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to that and. And um, hopefully we can, you know, get some of you guys that are uh, East Enders out and, and coming to play Magic. Um, like I said, I'm really looking forward to the partnership. It's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of growth, hopefully, for both of us. And um, and yeah, um, so I yeah, just want so there. So Mondays it's eleven to ten. Tuesdays eleven to eleven. Wednesdays eleven to ten. So yeah, I mean they're they're it's going to be a pretty similar schedule. Fridays are open till midnight, which is which is cool because they've got Friday Night Magic. Um, which is always a pretty big affair if you if you haven't been to a uh, Friday Night Magic and you play some of the more competitive or I don't even want to say competitive you play any of the pre-constructed um, tournament style um, decks 
uh, like standard or modern, um, then Fridays are a really good day. To, yeah. To so one of the other really cool things that they're um, going to be doing at some point is they they do um, really cool fire sales on cards. So they I don't know if is it weekly or daily that they do. I think these? he said every Monday. So yeah, I know. I, on some with some regular frequency, yeah. they do um, a video stream where they sell cards at discounted prices, mm-hmm. really good prices, so, and other things too. I was talking about Funko well, Pops. Really, yeah, I didn't want to yeah. go too deep in what what all they, but other things that they also yeah. Have so this is why I'm just, just letting everybody yet. know. You know, some some of the things that we're going to be doing to kind of you know add some value. Mm-hmm. We're going to be putting that live stream in the group um, yeah. if we can figure out the logistics on that, so that you guys can directly. Interface with them and get some good deals on cards, good deals on Funko Pops, good deals on whatever else they're mm-hmm. trying to um, to move and, and put a you know good deal out on. So um, there's some really exciting stuff that's going to happen, guys, and I hope you guys are looking forward to it because I know we definitely are. Um, so yeah, anyways, I uh, just wanted to bring that up and talk about it because I'm excited about it, honestly. So um, yeah, that's really the reason. So you guys probably <laughs> this will be the first you've heard about it because I don't think that we posted about it yet. Um, by the time you hear this podcast, we might. I don't really know what the plan is on that. Um, but anyways, uh, one of the other things, uh, moving on, that um, we kind of discussed briefly before we started recording that was really interesting um, is that you mentioned that Disney has confirmed that they don't have any plans of producing their own games and that they're going to continue to license out all of their IP. Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. And it looks like EA has the exclusive rights right now to... Star Wars licensing, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, we'll talk about um, <laughs> that a little bit more. But let's get, yeah, let's continue. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, I think it's really interesting that they're you know they're such a force to be reckoned with now with the, just their buying power. Um, you know they've bought you know they bought all kinds of companies to be able to put themselves in the positions that they are. You know they bought Marvel, they bought Lucas, they bought. Um, I guess Fox. Did they? Yeah, I don't know what the deal I don't know what is. the whole deal. I don't I know if they, they may just, have just bought rights. Yeah, they, from them. I'm they not bought sure. something from Fox. Either they own Fox now, or they own a portion of Fox, or they've just bought back all the Marvel superheroes or whatnot. Um, they also bought a streaming company, so and that company is going to be developing, you know, their Disney own streaming Plus. service. Yeah. Um, you know. But they're not. It, it, the statement basically said that they're not interested in you know buying any other companies at least now to to Make be able games, to do their yeah. own games, which I think is really interesting because they seem like the kind of people that want to have total control over everything, right? Um, and, and this, so my only <clears throat> thought into that why they wouldn't do it is because. They're movie people. Yeah. They're, they're, or movie or TV, right? I mean, historically, that's what they've done. But my thing about it is that I, I, I know, I mean, you are absolutely right. They are TV and movie people. But I've always kind of felt that Disney was more of a storyteller. You know, it's no, not I, just. I, I mean, they are, but right. But video games are not. There's a lot of technical aspect yeah. to that. Yeah. So for them to jump in head first, I mean,. I think there's probably a very high likelihood that whoever they license their games to, if EA is doing a Star Wars RPG, mm-hmm. that Disney's going to have some hand in what does that story look like. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that even... I, I doubt that they're just like, yeah, man, make Star Wars game, have fun, let us know what it's done. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time that that's the way that goes. Right. So in that respect, they probably do have some aspect of control, but I don't think they want anything to do with the development process of a video game. Yeah. I also saw recently that I guess EA was working on some kind of open world Star Wars game and it got canceled. Yeah. 
which is kind of a bummer. Really, does I mean? So I like I saw a really good graphic. Um, I mean, it must have been a couple of weeks ago, but I think it was around the time that the news that that game had gotten canceled came out, and it was basically comparing the amount of games that had been released since EA had had the Star Wars license, yeah, and the amount of games that had been released in a similar amount of years that Lucasfilm or Lucas Arts had the license, obviously, mm-hmm. and it was just silly that we've only gotten Battlefront and Battlefront Two. That's oh, it. Yeah. That those are the only Star Wars. Games. So, well, speaking of that, I mean, do they own LucasArt now? Does I mean, I guess Disney owns LucasArt, right? I don't know that it really exists. Or, I think they is, shut the yeah, studio down. Is that whole thing down? Okay. Because that might have been worth keeping, but I guess... I mean, they, I, we don't know, right? Yeah. What's the, What their logic is there. Um, it's obvious, honestly, to me, that they just don't have an emphasis on video games. Mm-hmm. Because they're just not pumping them out. I mean, they're pumping out a movie every year. Yeah. For Star Wars, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for Marvel, it's multiple a year, depending on the year. Yeah, and I mean, with these live action remakes, I mean, they're pumping out a couple, two or so, three of those. So they're a year. pumping. So I guess my point is, if they cared and were worried about video games, you would think that they'd be pumping them out. Yeah, like like they would be like EA. You need to. It needs to be one every year. I guess if you really think about it, though, the risk of a video game is so much higher than a movie. It seems like because realistically, like if you put enough money into a movie. It's probably going to be pretty good. I mean, especially if well, Disney. They, if that's, I mean, that really. It. I don't know that it's even a matter of money, right? They're just putting their reputation with it. Yeah. So they've already got like, it's a Star Wars movie. Mm. The, the name sells it, right? I mean, in some respects, that doesn't happen with video games, yeah. right? Because we've gotten we've had so many bad tastes left in our mouth, um, that I think people are more, and it's a bigger investment, right? That's the other part of it. Is shit, man. Let's go see a movie. It's ten bucks, twelve bucks. I spend two hours of my time. It's done. Yeah. Video game. You want me to spend sixty dollars or more, depending on if there's some special edition. Mm-hmm. You want me to buy DLC, and then you want me to spend hours playing this game. Yeah. It is not a two hours. I'm done with it. Yeah. And I mean, it- so that to me, that's why it's risky, right? Is that's because. I'm I'm willing to waste twelve dollars on a movie, right. even if I don't. If I watch a trailer and I'm like, I don't know, I'm not convinced that it's going to be good. I think mm-hmm. it might be complete shit, but there's also a possibility there's some things that I saw that might be cool. I'm willing to go see that. Right. With the video game, if what I see is not like, yes, this is it. I'm willing to dump three hundred hours into this game. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. Right. So for me, that's where that the risk comes in is that you're you really have to sell that product because you're asking a lot from your consumer right it's like i mean it's like um thinking coming out with a new food product yeah it's two dollars worst case scenario i don't like it you know what i'm saying yeah i know like, exactly what so you're there's saying very that. little mm-hmm. risk there because mm-hmm. the, the incentive for somebody to try something new when the cost is low and your time investment is low it's easy yeah but and it's you, really hard to put down even if it's a bad game, it's really hard to put down a sixty dollars investment. Yeah, early. on something you're not, you know, you're not it's like, well, maybe on. I'm just not, you know, maybe I'm just not to the point where this game gets to where I want it to be. So you put twenty hours in the game, and you know, it's just disappointing. You're just like, man, that there was just, yeah, I never got that payoff that I was. And you hoping only for, do that like, so many times, right? And I've done it before, yeah. where I've been hyped about a game, buy it the day it comes out, sit down, spend twenty, thirty hours playing it, and I'm like, this just isn't. 
mm. what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I very rarely will buy games when they release anymore for that reason. Um, and largely, I'm waiting, you know, a week, unless it's something that I'm like, this premise is crazy. This is exactly what I've been looking for in a video game. I think, and, and the only reason I say that is if it's, and this is more for an MMO or a competitive game, if it was a shooter or something, that I wanted to be in on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only time, honestly, that I'm going to buy a video game when it comes out. Right. Yeah, I mean, and most of the time, I mean, most of these games, especially if you're talking about single-player games or games that, that have multiplayer, but they're not... It's not the focus. As Yeah, the focus. I mean, they're going to drop in price in no time. Yeah. I mean, how long does it really take these days for a game to go from 60 to 40 bucks or even 30 bucks? Yeah. Or, like, or you wait a month and then all of a sudden, for the same price, you get... DLC. The, the DLC passes and everything for for the same price, you know? Yeah. So I, I definitely 100% agree with you there that it's hard for me to buy games that, that come out. Plus, the pre-orders, you know, the pre-order bonuses are not really worth it no. anymore. Um, you know, being able to play the game early. Um, that was always beta, a cool benefit. Like, I mean, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. But, but the other thing about that, though, is that if the game is not to a point where it's finished enough, you might feel like you're not getting the full experience of the game too because if it literally if it literally is just an alpha test um you know you are not you're not getting the real game yet so you're putting time and effort into this game that's not even a real game, complete yeah. game um and you might not even get to keep you know if it's a game like Diablo or that kind of thing where you, you get, don't loot, get to keep your character, you don't get yeah. to keep your character or any of your loot or anything like that so it just kind of feels like when the game yes officially no. releases I mean and so the the only time that I'd be interested in a beta um is if it was again if it's a competitive game mm-hmm. so like if the earlier that I play that game the better I'm going to be at that game right Regardless of whether that game's finished, if I'm playing a first-person shooter that's competitive, even if it's something like Battlefield that's not like super competitive, I'm going to be better than mm-hmm. if I just pick it up on day one, right? Right, or week three. I mean, yeah. or something like that, right? Um, if it's an MMO, you're for sure ahead of the curve because you're learning the most efficient way to do stuff. Yeah, you're learning where you need to go, and and while if people play that on on the first day, and you've been playing it for a month. Even though you've started at zero, yeah, it, you are going to have that. the, mo- the have moment that you load into that game. You're running in the right direction, talking mm-hmm. to the right people, equipping the right things, skipping like the stuff that's not relevant. Yeah, by the time you know, if you compared somebody that had played the, a beta for a month for, you know, to the person that just bought it on day one, and compared where they were twenty hours in, mm-hmm. it would be night and day. Yeah. Just because of that efficiency factor. I mean, that's all it is. And because at the end of the day, that's if you're playing a grindy MMO, that's what it's about. Um, so for me, that's the big thing. And those are the only games that, that I would even consider that being in on that day one allows you that advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing that's done that. And, and largely, I think it's because games have gone, at least MMOs, spoon feed everything to you now. And they're just not, they're like, Back in the day, MMOs needed to be learned and, mm-hmm. and discovered, and there was stuff going on in that game that you didn't understand. Like the people just didn't know, right? Or did you know? I mean, like you had to figure that shit out. It wasn't just I always just go here and press three. Yeah, you know, press my three attack and then press my two attack and and I mean, whatever. Final Fantasy Eleven is a, a perfect example of that because it just throws you. Into, I mean, it tells you like this little beginning story, and then it just throws you into city. 
and it's like you know a regular Japanese RPG. Like you need to go talk to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, like nobody had little exclamation marks above yeah, class, their head. That's like, markers, yeah. you know, hey, come talk to me. I mean, there were occasionally a person that would have like you know something that says, hey, I'm a vendor or I'm yeah. like a gate guard or something like that, and that might you know cue you in where you know that might be a, a person of more importance so you might go talk to them first but uh, that definitely wasn't always the person that gave <laughs> yeah i mean so my favorite example of of anything like that is star wars galaxies because it it was similar in the fact that there you just spawned into a spaceport or outside yeah. of a spaceport and that was that was it you didn't have anything it wasn't there wasn't exclamation points above people's heads it was just here you are. Yeah. And you might have had some starting loot, some starting weapons, or I don't even remember if you had that. I, I don't think that you did, really. And I guess you had to find a trainer and take up a, a class. I don't even remember, man. It's been so long since I've started over in that game. But th- the coolest thing about that game to me was always the Jedi system. And I don't know if I've talked about this before. I might have. You When that game released, you couldn't be a Jedi. Right. It didn't exist. It wasn't even programmed into the game. Um, at a certain patch, they implemented it into the game. But they didn't tell anybody. Hmm. Like it wasn't in the patch notes. It was just all of a sudden in the game. Wow. And people just started posting on forums like, dude, I just got this message that said I was force sensitive or I unlocked a Jedi character slot. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And you would just all of a sudden have a new character slot that was a Jedi. But you didn't know how or why. Hmm. So like over time, people started to piece it. So, in. a new character slot is that a completely new character? Correct. Or, okay. Yeah. So, it, it, the way they did it changed when it was initially um, started. You actually did get a separate character, and they started as a Jedi. Um, later on, they changed the way it worked a couple times. But this was, in my opinion, the coolest iteration of the system. Um, and, and but over time, people like literally, you, they literally had to. No one knew how to, how that was happening. Hmm. So. People started to, to understand that it was tied to the professions you mastered. And we're talking, there's like, I don't know, 20, 30 professions in this game. Wow. And you just, but there was no indicator like master this one mm-hmm. or do these or do all of them. I mean, right. so that's what people were starting to do was just, well, I'm just going to master all of them until that happens. So you would go through and have to just grind every single one. And some people would have to go through all of them to get it. Some people would have to go through like six or something. Right. And then we get it. But no one knew the difference. And then, because people were having trouble figuring out, they put holocrons in the game. And you could grind these holocrons. They'd drop on high-level mobs and stuff like that. And you could activate this holocron, and it would tell you a class. And you would... So basically, the way it worked was each character had a random... um, assortment of like six or I forget the number but there was some like six to ten professions that you needed to master in order to unlock your force sensitive so that was random slot. per but character. it was random per character wow that's interesting so to figure it out <clears throat> at first they just you were just like guess but then they're like yeah it's kind of shitty so we'll give you this hol- these holocrons and you could I think you could only get a couple holocrons or something um but then you so you could figure it out that way and you would get a whole new character slot and then they changed it to where um, they they did this thing called the village where like you would have to do um, a certain assortment of things you had to master a certain number of professions it didn't matter which ones they were I think don't quote me on that but I think it didn't matter you just had to master a certain number and then you had to like go visit certain landmarks in the game which was like that was one of my favorite parts in this game was like you'd go to one of I mean there was I don't know 
plenty of planets. I mean, you had Endor, Tatooine, uh, Naboo, Coruscant, or Corellia, not Coruscant, Corellia, uh, Dantooine, uh, not Dantooine. I mean, there was Nim, I think. There was a bunch of planets that you could go to. In every single one, you'd pull up the map, and there was just this list of waypoints in your map that were just like landmarks. And they would be like Jabba's Palace and um, the Feed Palace and all these, like, or like some crazy Jedi temple out in the woods in Yavin and mm-hmm. like all this kind of just cool stuff to go visit and see that they had built in the game. Wow. Um, you know, so, but you had to go to certain ones of those. Uh, after you mastered some professions, and there might have been some other small things, but then after that, you got visited by this guy that was basically Ben Kenobi. But he was just this old hooded guy. The old man, I think is what it was called or something. He would come visit you and talk to you. And then you'd have to like fight off these Sith attackers. And um, and then you would get invited. He would give you a waypoint, I think, to this place called The Village. And the village was like this force sensitive village where you would then have to, you had these force sensitive experience points that you had to grind, which were like insanely, like to fill up these boxes, your skill trees were always a four by four grid and you had to fill up each column to master that column. And, but it took like some multiple of experience to get these force sensitive boxes versus getting like normal XP. Right. So if I went and got like rifleman XP, like I would have to turn that rifleman XP in to get force sensitive XP, but it was there was an exchange rate to it. It wasn't okay. like one to one. Yeah. So it was like a fucking task to do that. Mm-hmm. And then once you got all that done, you were then able to be a Jedi after that. So it was more. They made it kind of. They spoon fed a little more, obviously, because that was much more attainable. It just required time. Right. But for me, I loved the first one where it was like, just figure it out, have fun. You can be a Jedi, but we're not going to tell you how. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, that definitely seems like it me, would that's be. Fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, it would be. I mean, it seems more interesting. But I see like why they would go the other way because for the average person, like they're probably yeah. not going to have time to figure no. that out. And, and then and then in the final iteration of the game, which no one really liked, um, they changed the class system completely. There were nine classes I think that you could start as, and you would just grind up to level eighty. Just like in most MMOs. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, there was really no level system in the game. Okay. There was a, sim- a sort of one in um, in the combat upgrade, but it was more like just based on how many professions you had mastered. It didn't really... like your, It didn't translate necessarily to how powerful you were. Right. It just meant I had mastered X number of skill boxes, basically. Um, but you could start as a Jedi in the last iteration of the game. You didn't need to do anything. It was just you could just pick Jedi. Oh yeah, that's so kinda... what the the cool thing about it was it was really thematic, right? Because you had when Jedi were very hard to be, or you didn't know how to do it. They didn't like you didn't see them. Yeah, which given the time period of the game, which is in between, um, I think in between either in between episode three and four, or in between episode four and five, like you would you don't see Jedi. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense to see a guy running through the streets of Mos Eisley with a lightsaber. Yeah. So later on, it kind of broke the experience a little bit because you're like, well, there's just fucking Jedi everywhere because yeah. everybody wants to be a Jedi. And what it forced in the beginning was everybody was just a random ass Star Wars character. You were just an Imperial soldier. You were just a rebel smuggler. Yeah, that that definitely sounds like that would be a lot more interesting. So you than built like everybody yeah, for is sure. a Jedi because it's like, like I mean, realistically, I mean, I'm sure that there's people that pick the other classes too. There were, yeah, but. 
But what ratio are we talking oh, about? I mean, here? like, I mean, you, honestly, I, would, I would say a good 80% of people probably want to be a Jedi. Yeah. You know, and it's like Jedi are supposed to be Rare. the one, yeah, one tenth of a percent. Even, <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, even when Jedi were a popular or big as an organization, you know, when the Jedi Order was big, they were still rare. Yeah. Like, if you look at some of the movies, and in, in, even in, like, episode four, people didn't un, didn't believe in the Force. Mm-hmm. People didn't believe in Jedi. And that wasn't because the Empire had just blown them up. It was because people, like, out on Tatooine never fucking saw Jedi. Right. Like, they weren't, like, police officers walking around the streets. I mean, think about the population of a planet, like Earth. Mm-hmm. And, and then if there's one Jedi for and, the entire right, planet. And, and then there's... Times that that population times how many planets do we have in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. And you have Jedi that are only a percentage of that population. I mean, these are extremely rare people. Yeah. So even when Jedi were more populous, they were not something that you would see on an everyday basis, even more so after the Empire took over. Mm-hmm. So, to, you know, and that was the other cool thing that I loved about the Jedi system in that game was um, once if you got to that point or in the in the first two iterations of the Jedi system. When you got to that point, you could not have NPCs like outside of animals see you using a lightsaber or force abilities. You could not have other player characters see you because it would raise your visibility level. And when your visibility level got high enough, you got put on the bounty hunter terminals. And if you were a bounty hunter, you could go take missions to go kill Jedi player, (laughs) player character, Jedi. And it would no shit be like, here's a waypoint, go kill him. Wow, that's pretty cool. And and if they and here's the cool thing is as you there was a penalty for player death as a Jedi. So you were incentivized to not die. It wasn't like oh who cares? They're just I'm going to come fight these bounty hunters and if I die I die. It was like right. you didn't want that to happen because okay. it was going to undo a lot of the grinding that you just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit. I know. Talk about Final Fantasy XI, though, but that was the big MMO that I played the most. But I remember when I first started playing that game, and, uh, like, level 75 players were really really rare, because that was, like, the cap at that time. And, I mean, it was a hell of a grind to get to level 75, because you couldn't just level one class up to 75... And then bam, you're level seventy five. There was so much stuff you had to do in between getting to, to get level seventy five. Yeah. Um, like for starters, when you got to level, I think eighteen, you unlock or there. There's a quest to unlock the ability to get what's called a sub job. I think it was eighteen or tw- I think it was twenty actually. At level twenty, you get the ability to unlock what's called a sub job. And so what a sub job was is you had your main class, like we'll say warrior. And then you could also have another class that was half that level, but you had to level up that other class right. also. So you could be, but you could play in Final Fantasy Eleven. You could play any class that you wanted. You just changed over to that class after you've unlocked it. If you did, if you didn't have it already unlocked, um, but you had to level up everything. So if you were a level, if you got to level twenty, but you're um, Dragoon was only level one. You'd be a level twenty slash level one dragoon, right, or whatever. And uh, so there, you had to unlock the sub job, and that was a big thing. And then, of course, when you unlock the ability to have a sub job, well, you got to level up your sub job, and then, and then from there, like you get to like level fifty, and then it stops you. Like you can't level up anymore. You have to go do a quest 
that gets you past 50. And then it was like that in five level increments to get up. Right. And so then it's like course, almost like epic level stuff. Right. Like once you get that, there's a certain, mm-hmm. you had to beat this. Right. And then you had, and then again, like you'd get to like level 70 or whatever. And it's like, Oh crap. My sub job is not leveled high enough. <laughs> so, and people, and it was kind of funny because you like, there wasn't like an easy way to make parties. You just kind of like, did this little thing that says like I'm looking for a party, but people saw that your sub job wasn't leveled high enough, they wouldn't invite you to the party. Really? Yeah, because it's like, what's well, the point? Yeah, I'm not going to get this guy that doesn't know <laughs> that's <laughs> not even putting it, you know, taking it serious enough to level up a sub job to come join this party. So you'd have to go, go deal with that. But like, I mean, it literally would take you, you know, the first time you played that game back when it first came out, like it would, it could take you a year before you hit level 75 and were able to start doing some of that end game stuff. Um, and that kind of kind of makes me think about what you're talking about, like with the Jedi. Like it was like it was just really cool to see somebody yeah, who's like level sure, 75. I mean, the first time I ever saw one, I was like, "Holy shit, they exist!" Because like <laughs> I didn't believe it. Right? You were like one of those people. On yeah. Tattooing? I mean, exactly, man. <laughs> um, and you know, the cooler thing was like the dynamic that that presented, right? Because you like they had to play alone. Yeah. And if they didn't play alone, like. Sometimes, you know, Jedi would risk being out there with, like, one of their doctor buddies so their doctor buddy could heal them while they were farming some big, you know, high-level mob mm-hmm. to, to grind or to get loot or something. But because their buddy was there, it increased their visibility. So, like, it was this double-edged sword. Like, do oh, I go out here with one of my friends yeah. <clears throat> to be able to survive and be able to do this efficiently? But then I know I, out of nowhere I could have these bounty hunters swarming on top of me. Right. Um, it's like, tur- turn around and don't look at me. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, in the other the, one of my other favorite parts, it had nothing to do with Jedi in this game, but it is kind of related to, the, to what I was getting ready to talk about, was the housing and city system in this game. So you could make your own city. There was a profession where you could be a politician and run a city. Hmm. And so you could put a city hall, you could name it, you could have stores. Like if, if you were a, a crafter, you could have like make clothing, you could make weapons and armor and all this kind of stuff. And you could have stores. And I mean, people literally built businesses. Wow. Like there was a guy on every server that was like, if you want good ass weapons, mm-hmm. you buy his stuff. Yeah. If you want armor, it's going to have this guy's name in the title. That's pretty cool. Final Fantasy Eleven had they you couldn't build cities or anything like that, but you could be a crafter. And I liked it because if you used like or I think it, you had to use like specific crystals or whatever to make stuff, but it would put your name on it, which I right. thought was really cool. Um, and then there were there were a lot of different different white weapons that you could only get through crafters or a material to make like some right. end game item that came through those guys. So that's, I, I think it's really cool when they I mean, add that kind of yeah, stuff it's, and it's dude, like a personalized. Like, it was unreal. Like, like I always talk about how I, any, any game I play, any movie or TV series, I'm looking for world building. Mm-hmm. That's why I love this game more than any game I've ever played is because it allowed the players to build the world. Yeah. That's pretty I mean that that's was pretty it. awesome. They were just like, here's some planets, we're set in Star Wars, go be a person in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't I mean, you could you know, if you were gonna be a crafter, well that's great, but where do you get the stuff to craft? Right. So you've got a profession that's he's getting the materials. You have to find the right spots of high min- high like material densities on specific planets, put mining machines there, and go harvest the shit. Yeah. And then you could sell those materials to the best crafters. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. I think we might have talked about it on air before, but one of the things that I like doing on Final Fantasy Eleven was I was I did like a pawn shop. Yeah. So what I would do is that I would just go into town and I would just kind of like shout like, hey, yeah, you know, if you wanted to buy or if you want to sell some items like I can buy it now because the way the auction system worked 
was the auction house would take time. Like there's not people just sitting there staring and trying to find stuff. Right. Like, so it you could take, take a week. credits and trade for it. Basically. Yeah. So it could take like a week for you to sell something. But if you want to sell it to me, I'd buy it for about 50% of what it's going for in the auction house, which is, um, you know, uh, you, you, you give the auction house a percentage. So I don't remember like what that percentage was, maybe 20% or something like that. So really I'm getting like 30% more than you would. I'm, I'm taking about 30% of what you would be making, but you get to get rid of it right now. And so I would take that item and put it on the auction house, and, and I would I would wait on it, and yeah. I would make that twenty or thirty percent or whatever. And uh, I mean, it was it was highly successful. I, know, and I it's mean, just, it's it, cool it, to me when that yeah. happens, right? You and can it was like an economy. It was like one of those things where like nobody else was doing it, and people would like you know people would talk crap about it because they're like, oh well, you know this guy, no, you know nobody's going to sell you stuff for that. But dude, all the time, I would I mean I would just have like. A hundred items on the auction house, you know, it is just like at any time, like I'm just constantly just making this money off of it because it was like low risk. I'm doing well, it at 50%. Income, yeah. yeah. I'm doing it at 50% and, uh, you know, I'm making, making this money back. And then I would just put that money back into the next, you know, the next thing, you know, right. whatever money I made, I just started, you know, continuously it, investing yeah. that money back into this, this into little buying stuff. pawn shop that I had. And, uh, you know, it just, I thought that it was a lot of fun because I was doing something that wasn't even a part of the game, you know, but it was making me money in the game. And it was something that I didn't, you know, I would just do it like once or twice a day. I'd just go into the biggest town in the game and I'd just shout, Hey, you know, I'm looking for this or while I'm waiting or looking at the auction house, you could, right. you know, shout that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I would, I would uh, do something and and get a little bit of money for just a small amount of time and investment. I mean, you have to have the capital to start that, but you know, not hard. Yeah, yeah, it's not that hard to get a little bit and just make sure that you're always look. You know, you want to make sure that you're not buying stuff that doesn't sell, right? You know, because I didn't buy everything, obviously, um, but if it was worth it and there weren't a hundred of that item on the auction house, and I knew that I could just undercut everybody and sell it a little bit faster, right? Made and, sense, uh, yeah. Yeah, it Low made risk, sense. Yeah. And it was, you know, like you said, I mean, it's it's kind of a way to be, a, you know, a, bring yourself kind of into that world. And be a part of the and game. And be a part of the game in a way that, you know, in, in that particular sense, it wasn't intended, but it worked. And I yeah. mean, that's kind of like, you know, open up shops and stuff like that. I think that that's really cool because... Yeah. It gives you a way to be a part of that game more. I mean, than there just, were, like I said, player cities that were like well known, man. Yeah. Like this is where all this cool shit on on Naboo happens. If you're going to yeah. go to a player city, it's going to be this one. And they've got you could you know every you could have houses, so you mm-hmm. could set down a house. And a lot of the loot in that game, some of the rare loot was like items and stuff. So you would, I mean, there were, you could obviously there was furniture and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the cool the cool thing about the the decoration system was you could literally move items pixel by pixel. Yeah. So like yeah, you there could was a drop thing, like a painting yeah. and put it exactly where you wanted. You yeah, could drop a, thing a chair like that. and rotate and move it. And there was a thing like that in in Final Fantasy XI, but you couldn't like make a house. It was just kind of its own thing. It was called a mog house, I believe. But it wasn't like a house sitting out there. You just kind of walk into a district, and then it's like, okay, well now you're in your house. Right. Um, I remember that I th- one of the coolest things they ever implemented was allowing people to come into your house because at first you yeah. couldn't do that. Um, and then, cause it's basically just like a little instance and you just walk into the room or whatever and you could design it kind of how you wanted, like you're, like you're saying, but it wasn't as, as good as what you're saying. Cause you could move it, but it was, it definitely wasn't pixel by pixel. It, I mean, it was, it was like, insane. Yeah. There was a grid system or whatever, but it wasn't exactly how you want it. It was pretty close, but it wasn't exactly yeah. like, no, what I mean, this was like literally insane, man. Like honestly, I, there were, I spent, I, I don't know how many hours 
like just getting shit exactly in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because you just get really creative with it because you weren't limited and everything would also clip. So like you could run items over one another. So what that allowed you to do was kind of combine them and, okay. and kind of like make things look different. And what, you know, it's hard to explain without, I maybe can find some like videos of stuff that people made in their houses, but it would allow for you to be really creative. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that I remember in the Final Fantasy Eleven um, Mog Houses is that you could get mannequins, and they were really they, they weren't really hard to get, but they were hard to get. Like they were right, like right. you had to grind to get these things, and you could put like your equipment onto it, and so like you could have and you could pose the mannequins too, which I thought was that really was cool. real. That is cool, yeah. yeah. And so you you could have them like in some kind of dynamic pose and in your. You know your paladin armor, and then you can have the next one in your ninja armor, and yeah. the next one, you know, in your white mage armor, and and uh, it for like it did multiple things. Like not only did it look cool while you were hanging out in your mog house, but it also was like storage, so you had a place to put your stuff because you know, in most MMOs, you only have like a limited number storage. Of, yeah, you of could storage. just drop shit in your house yeah. in, in this game too. Was, oh, really? Yeah, because there was there was maybe a limit, but I mean, it was so big you didn't need to worry about it, and um. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, in mine, I played on a role-playing server, so one of the cool things about that was because of the way the game was structured and because it was a role-play server, everybody was mostly in character the whole time. <clears throat> so, like, if you were in Maz Isla Cantina and you saw the chat bubbles, like, those were people talking to each other as their characters, yeah. not as themselves, like, I'm playing a game. Mm-hmm. You know, it was people like, I'm a stormtrooper, like, where's your ID? That right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of cool because, you, you know, you could develop a backstory for your character, and, I mean, so my guild... Um, at first that I was in, the first guild that I was ever in was a Stormtrooper Corps. So that's, I mean, I was a Stormtrooper and we had rank and, you know, we had um, like ranks and, and all that kind of stuff. And we would do drills and go crate dragon hunting and do all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time when I, but you could kind of, you could also, you could didn't get mannequins, but you could put your armor, you could drop your armor in your house mm-hmm. and it would, it would stand, it would kind of stand up. Okay. It would look like it was on a mannequin, but it was a, it wasn't a dynamic pose. That would be really cool. Yeah. But you know, eventually in mine, I had uh, my stormtrooper armor and my scout trooper armor, and, and and that stuff in in my little control room because at that point I was a Jedi, so I didn't need it anymore. I couldn't wear it. But um, but yeah, man, that game was just so cool. And there was I've never been in anything that immersive, where like I I didn't you know it felt like I was in Star Wars. Right. You know you. You got an armor guy. You got a weapon. Like it was like that was such such a cool thing. You got a, a smuggler that'll slice your weapons and make the firing rate go up and shit like that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty cool. I like <laughs> I like that that customization and stuff like that. I, I do. I did wish that Final Fantasy XI was a little bit more in depth with some of that stuff. But I mean, really. You know, well, there was so much stuff. Aren't. Some, some of that stuff. I mean, so much of that stuff. There was so much stuff to do. Is what I'm trying to say in that game. Like. I don't think that you missed out too much. No, by not having they're those different, right? Things. So there yeah. wasn't a ton of like really like content in the game. Mm-hmm. Like there were there weren't really like crazy missions. There were some theme parks later on where you'd go like on this string of missions, and there was some like instance like uh, there was like a Corellian Corvette mission, and there was some like like Death Watch base you could go down, and that's where you would get like the uh, the schematics to build Mandalorian or bounty hunter armor mm-hmm. um, down in there and there were like really high level mobs there was like an imperial um, base I forget what it was called but there was it would drop 
schematics or high level loot down in there, but there were just like crazy amounts of enemies. There was like Geonosian caves that you would go in and there was, I mean, so there was some stuff, but it wasn't like there was no like story to the game. Yeah. There was high level in game content, I guess, to like go beat and farm and stuff, mm-hmm. but there was not like, I would not say that the game's content would keep you busy. Right. Which what kept you busy was the world Mm -hmm. was, okay, well, I've got my rifleman or whatever. He's up to max level. So I'll create my my alternate character slot. I'll make a armor smith and I'll make some armor and and I'll make some credits doing that or whatever. Um, And then when Jump to Lightspeed came out, you know, you could have your own ships and stuff. And one of the coolest things was you, I, I forget if it was everybody got one or not, but you could buy one if you didn't have it. It wasn't horribly expensive, but you could have a, it was some like Soro Sub yacht. Okay. Where it was like, it was just like a house where you could be inside it with other player characters up in space floating around, but, um, but you could decorate it like a house. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, it was, dude, it was amazing. Some of the stuff that you could do in that game. Um, and I, and it sucks because I feel like most MMOs now are just so spoon fed, like mm-hmm. go do this, do this next. There right. is none of that. There is no open world feel to any of it. And when I kind of laugh when people say open world, because I'm like, you guys don't even know what open world is. Right. Like you talk about sandbox. It's not a sandbox. Yeah. Like, you know, and to me, that's what the truth. There was no real limit on what you could do or, or anything like that. So, um, but in getting back to the Jedi thing, that I want to say is one, one more or one real quick. So the the key the key of that was that you could have a house, and what Jedi would do was you would keep a house a schematic for a house on you or a deed for a house on you, and you would make sure that you were close wherever you were to a place where because you, you couldn't just drop a house anywhere. You can only drop it in certain specific places. Mm-hmm. So you would be on a planet where you could drop a house. And you would be close to an area where you could drop a house. And if you saw people <laughs> coming to gank you, you would drive over on your speeder bike to where you could drop a house, and you drop a house and run in it so they couldn't get in it after you. <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> but but like it was just, you know it was just cool that you even had to get that far and, and figure that kind of stuff out. So I I mean I, they, they have an emulator where you can mostly play the game. The Jedi stuff's not in it yet, and it's it's so hard to go back because a lot of it didn't age well. The graphics aren't great. The interface isn't awesome. Yeah, um, but. And, and honestly, it's just it's hard to relearn. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like I don't have the time to like go back and learn how to do all that and and spend time spinning my wheels, you know. Um, and and there's they do some things that I don't that aren't necessarily good for the game because it's still in like a testing phase or or so to speak. So like you can log into multiple characters at once, um, which means that like most char- most people have, and I don't know if there's even a limit on characters you can have. There might be, but so you could have like a guy that's building crafting weapons and, and farming materials on your alt that's just running macros. Yeah. Because that was one of the things in that game was they did allow you to run macros. So mm-hmm. you could set all this all these processes up and basically just press a button and your guy would just, your guy would just continually craft stuff. Yeah. You would have to like I think there was one part where you'd have to like click the material slot to like drop the material in there. You couldn't macro your mouse clicks. Right. But you could do literally everything else with a macro. <clears throat> So and there's, there's just, a program where you could just do that. I know. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and back then, I don't know that there was, or, or I don't know if they banned that through, yeah. if you get in trouble through the game security. Because I used to do that on, was it, uh, Warhammer Online. There was, like, there was, like, ways you could do yeah, things. Yeah, auto-clickers and, you could and just, stuff. You would just get this little clicker, and it just, you literally, like, I would just drag my mouse on the little clicker and then click, and then it would just copy that 
and then it would just come over and do, do yeah. that itself. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely doable. But anyways, that kind of breaks the the economy in the game because mm-hmm. there's there is no sh- like there's no scarcity of stuff. Right, like everybody can make all the stuff. So yeah. people that are good in playing the game, they're they've got a main character that's like going out and, and doing the high level stuff and you know combat class and they've all got alts that are making all the the stuff and there's so there's no player cities there's none of that kind of stuff so it's really disappointing but I honestly think that game would do extremely well if you could update it use the same principles and just just I mean it would get every everybody that wanted to play played that game back in the day would play it again mm-hmm. and you would get a whole lot of new people that want a Star Wars MMO that's not yeah, the I mean, Republic. If you look at how popular that games like Dungeons and Dragons is getting, I mean like a it's lot, just, it, it is, used to be exactly stigmatized is, man. a long time ago but now you've got this huge surge of people that are getting interested in Dungeons and Dragons and they, you know, a lot of people you know, they want to go around and kill dragons and stuff like that in Dungeons and Dragons but People also want to do some of that mundane stuff, like going through a town and it's, talking I mean, to talking know, to people and we, being in a bar and that kind of stuff. You, I mean, I've never played a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where there wasn't also the role playing in the town and you know being a character. real character that's not just fighting, you right? Know? And and honestly, that was a lot of what I liked about that game was was that. I mean, you had to have a lot of fun with it and. Um, and being being your character, I mean, a lot of we talked about it before. A lot of the fun of a video game or whatever you're doing is not. You takes you. You're not. You're no longer Chris Gladden, the the nurse manager. Yeah, I'm no longer Corey Howell, the engineer that has to get up at eight a.m. and go sit at a desk. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, like you're some. You know, I was a, an imperial sniper. Like mm-hmm. that's way cooler than what I'm doing. Yeah, it's way more fun to be that guy. Yeah, so you get Final to see es- you're like fighting gods. That's what I'm saying. So like you get you just- get to <laughs> escape this kind of mundane thing. Even if even if you're doing quote unquote mundane things mm-hmm. in that game, they're not because they're, I guarantee you they're not as mundane as whatever you're doing in real life. Right. So even if it's you're a, you're an image designer and you're just changing people's appearance and, and crafting them clothes and stuff like. That's yeah. cooler than what most people do. Yeah, I mean building armor. I mean yeah. it's like building guns and, and, you know, and like I said, I mean and- even just the idea that there was some guy on those servers that was like a celebrity mm-hmm. if he were to be out in public because he made all of the best shit. Right. Like I and on um, Star Starsider, the server that I played on, I remember the the weapon I always that I always used was his name was Yahoo. Like, like, just like Yahoo, like the drink or like mm-hmm. the, you know, Yahoo Mail. And, I mean, it was like, if you saw that guy, people were like, you know, the chat chat room, chat just bubbles everywhere because people are like trying to talk to him and yeah. stuff. And, I mean, that, how cool is that? That you could be that guy. Right. It was like responsible for supplying the freaking server mm. with weapons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in Final Fantasy XI, there was some similarities there because, like I said, you could put your name on items, and a lot of people never got to, like, level 100 in whatever craft it was. Like, the way the system was made, like, you could get to, like, level 90 to 92 pretty, I don't want to say easily because it was a big investment of gill, which is the you know the currency yeah. in, in Final Fantasy, but uh, to get from 90... Or 92 to 100, like, you really had to grind. And you had to grind, like, getting stuff that was really expensive. And occasionally you would break stuff. And then so, 
<laughs> you know, it just it was not cheap. Um, it was not easy to get the materials you had to get. So like there were a couple people, you know, that like especially goldsmithing. Like there was one person that I remember that was the the level one hundred goldsmith on my server. And like you said, I mean, they were like a celebrity because like. That didn't like, exist. Yeah, he was, he was, he was the, the guy. only person that could make these specific rings that everybody had to have, you know. And uh, you know, of course, he was like some guild leader or whatever, and he had like awesome gear on top of that because he was like the richest guy on the server, yeah. and then you know and whatnot. But it was like like you said, he was that person was like basically a celebrity in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's. Really I mean, cool. in this, you know, it even gets down to like you know there were like tailors that would make. Um, clothing and stuff, and it could all be customized and dyed and whatever. And I mean, like, I, I remember having like my favorite tailor. Like, I would always go buy clothes. I could buy that clothes anywhere, mm-hmm. but I would just like in real life, where you're like, no, I like the store, man. I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> I would do that same shit. And if I need, like, even if they didn't have something, instead of like going to somebody else's <clears throat> store or, um, or like buying it on the bazaar, like that, like you were talking about, like just kind of the auction house kind mm-hmm. of thing where you could just post stuff for sale. You know, I would email her and be like, Hey, can you make this shirt and this pants in these colors? Yeah. And just, you know, just let me know when you're done and, and, you know, send them the credits and they would email you the, the, the items. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Cause you just, you developed a relationship with people like that. So it was, it was, you know, it was just a really cool thing. Um, and you really felt like part of a community um, that most games don't have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, talking about developing that that relationships and whatnot, like it got to the point where I didn't even have to go and shout in the town for people knew to, like, that you were people buying knew stuff. that I was buying stuff, and somebody would be like, "Dude, like I've got somebody that's got me a deal. Like I really, I've got like these three items. Can you give me this much money for them? Because I need the money like right now." And it's like. Well, if you want to, if you want to travel all the way to sky, which is like on the other side of the world, literally in the sky, and <laughs> you want to wait at this spot right here while I'm, you know, and, and I can come meet you like as soon as I'm done killing Kieran, um, which is a God in the game. And, you know, it's like, I, I'll give you the money. And, you know, I mean, people, I mean, it would take 20, 30 minutes for that guy to get to there. Travel over, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, uh they would just, I mean, it was just really funny because people, I mean, people would do that all the time or like I'm in the middle of uh, like just, le- you know, skilling up or something like that out in the middle of somewhere. And it's like, hey, you know, if you want to come out here, I'll, I'll take care of it. We'll, we'll buy this item off <laughs> here or whatever. But people would somebody come running up on their chocobo. And yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, it, you know, I guess the thing that I really liked even going back to our earlier discussion on casual versus competitive mm-hmm. was there was high high end loot. Yeah, but there really and there was some PvP that you could do in the game. There was this like, there was the Galactic Civil War, obviously, mm-hmm. and you could be what they called overt. So if you were if you registered with the Empire with the Rebels, you could go overt, which means you were just flagged all the time. Okay, like if if there was an overt Rebel in the Cantina and an overt Imperial came into the Cantina, like you were just as targetable as an NPC. Yeah. You could just open fire that you didn't have to ask. There was no questions, whatever. It's just so sometimes you just be standing there. And the cool thing was if you weren't overt, if you were on leave is what they called it, like everybody's tags looked the same. So you didn't know. Okay. Like you didn't know the guy, the, the guy over there standing at the bar was a rebel that was overt because mm-hmm. you were on leave. So you just be standing there and then all of a sudden like just a gunfight fucking breaks yeah, just you, <laughs> someone comes to the bar and there's a blast fire and somebody's dead. That's pretty awesome. So I mean, I like dude, it, there was a lot of cool stuff in the game, but Outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of competitive stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, even the high level stuff was like very doable. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was perfect because it focused on all the right things. And even, and there was some challenge in the game and some grind, but that's not what made it a good game. Yeah. That stuff was there to, to do it, but it wasn't the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really liked that because, you know, modern MMOs are all about, oh, let's grind up to this max level and go do these these uh, runs or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. Like Final Fantasy, one of the reasons I loved about Final Fantasy Eleven is that it was kind of elitist. Like, <laughs> like the final, like the, the gods and stuff like that were not easy. Like, you couldn't just get a couple people together and go fight gods. Like, yeah, you I mean, had I, to have yeah, an established. I, I mean, obviously, like, we talked about that. that you know, the the guy, the boss fight that people never really beat. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that. And there, and don't get me wrong. Like the Dathomir Night Sisters and the Dark Dark Jedi knights and the um the crate dragons and stuff i mean like, they weren't easy mm-hmm. you know it took concentrated effort and to, to to do it yeah um but it certainly wasn't like it's gonna take us three hours kind yeah. of thing some well, of the like the death watch base and some of those things like those were tough mm-hmm. because it was like less isolated than just like a random ass crate right. dragon that you could kind of get in this ideal situation you go in there's just a fucking room full of mandalorians right one um, of the things that i would love man is like either running through town or seeing somebody else run through town and then all of a sudden you see this gear on somebody and like you can inspect people in the game yeah. and it's like what's that it's like what the hell is that and you click on them and you're like holy crap like where did you get this you know this this item or whatever or, and it would tell you if somebody yeah. inspected you so like like people would just dress up in certain things and just while run running around, around town yeah. just because it's the most rare things and like I mean you, you know you, you guarantee that that person's getting inspected over and over like yeah. it was kind of funny though because like some of the some of the Japanese players um, on on our server they would get like offended like if you would keep looking at them that's funny <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Just, it's just really funny because it's like like you know. It, they weren't doing it because they were trying to show off, but you know most of the Americans and stuff like that, they did it to show off. Like I, I mean, I did it. Shoot, like it, you have this sword sure. that you know five people on the server have. Yeah. Like I'm gonna run around with it, whether it's the best sword in the game or not. Like it's just rare. Yeah, and it's just cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, you had some of that stuff too, like like Mandalore. If you saw somebody in a full suit of Mandalorian armor, right. man, like that was fucking that was something because mm-hmm. you had to go get those schematics for all those pieces of armor or yeah. buy them. Which was yeah, even more expensive, you know. Yeah. And and the other thing was those schematics were single use. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not like once the armor smith had them, like some of the other ones where they could continually build the same helmet. It was like once you built that Mandalorian helmet, you needed another Mandalorian schematic to build another one. Wow. Okay. So like, it, it there was legitimate scarcity to that. Like, yeah. So you had to go grind down this Death Watch base to get somebody to drop it. Mm-hmm. But not only drop that, you had to get that. You had to get the chest piece. You had to get the backpack. You had to get the pants. You had to get the boots. You had to get the bracers. You had to get the gloves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you have it's... to get all those, and those are all like they're not you know common drops. Mm-hmm. So you're grinding to go get all. So if you saw somebody with that shit, that you know it meant something. Yeah. Um, there was some similar items like that in, in Final Fantasy where only like the gods or whatever would drop, or these you know ancient dragons or whatever would drop. They would drop like a cursed item. Ah. And you had to like fight somebody else to get the you know whatever it would I think they were called scrubs or something like that to get rid of the curse on that yeah. item. And then once you like the the item was completely useless while it was cursed, but when you uncursed it, it's like this ridiculous right. item. You know what I mean? That's cool. Um, and one I remember one of the items um, that it wasn't a curse item; it was just an item that dropped off the god that I was talking about earlier, Kieran. But he had it was called the Kieran's Asode. 
and it was just like a chess piece, but it looked so cool because it was like this. I don't know, kind of like a samurai yeah. get up where it, you know, had like the the shoulder armor and then like the front was kind of it looked kind of like a uh, like a gi and it was like green. It just looked so different from any other armor. Um but it was actually pretty good at the time that I'm talking about like early in the game like it was a really hard item to get. Like Kieran would only drop it like maybe you know, 10 or 20% of the time that you killed him and in order to fight him, you had to kill all the other gods to to unlock seals to be able to summon him and then you had in order to get those gods you had to unlock seals from other things and so it was like this big tiered system to be able to get to him and then again it's only like a 10 or 20 percent drop right and you'd see somebody run by and it's like oh, oh yeah. he's got he's got a Karen's of soda on. yeah <laughs> it was just so cool and then some items like i don't know how it was in star wars but some items you couldn't even trade like um, they would be um, like linked, like to, linked you, so. to your account, and like the cursed items were one of those. Where I think maybe once you equipped them or used them somehow, that might be the case. I'm not sure though. Mm-hmm. I want to say honestly, you could buy or sell anything. Yeah, um, but that was one of the other things that kind of made stuff so scarce is you couldn't sell a lot of the really high end stuff. You were just you know you were just stuck with it on your character. Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool, but I liked the idea of the market that it was like, if you yeah. had it, you could just sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe there was, I'm trying to think if you link stuff like armor to you when you wore it or something. Um, but I, I can't really remember. Um, but one of the, there wasn't uh the thing was, there wasn't a whole lot of rare outside of the armors that you could get like the Mandalorian armor, the bounty hunter armor, um, there wasn't a whole lot of like super rare armor like that or, or items like I don't remember really recall any weapons like the T twenty one was the best rifle mm-hmm. um, and there was just like some of those things but they were all craftable as far as I recall yeah in Final um, Fantasy there were some there were some really rare weapons like you had relic weapons which I mean the the grind to get a relic weapon was pretty insane like you basically had to either own a link shell which was like a guild in that game or or something to get people to grind this gear to be able to unlock those things because they were they were insane what you had to do to get those oh i'm sure man yeah and so but there were one jedi um did have something though so there was like really rare lightsaber crystals that would only drop in for certain bosses um and I'm trying to find the one. So I mean, and they were like rare colors. So like that's how you would know, right? Like there was um, one called Sunrider's Destiny that was like a a teal blue. Like it okay. wasn't like a normal blue; it was teal, yeah. so you could like recognize it. There was a lava crystal that was um, looked, you know, kind of like an orangey glow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was later in the game, though, after they changed the system where you could be Jedi. Some of the older, there were older ones too, but the one that I ended up having um, was called Bane's Heart, and it was like this pinkish red. Um, but you you got it by killing um, Necrosis, which was like a General Grievous clone on Kashik. Um, so that I mean, that was kind of like the the rare, the the more rare items. Honestly, were like the shit you'd put in your house. Yeah. Yeah, there was, was a like, lot of really rare items thing. like that in that like, game too. Like, where you kinda... know, so like you'd go into somebody's city or somebody's shop or something, mm-hmm. and you knew they were doing well when you'd like walk in, you'd be like, "Holy shit, that's a Death Star hologram!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's pretty laughs> you know, cool. I mean, it's shit like that where you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you don't just you don't just see those every day." Um, and so it was kind of like that, and or like when you know you'd have other people over in your house for whatever reason, and you know it was kind of like your chance to kind of like display the shit that you've collected. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it wasn't necessarily like stuff you'd wear or whatever. So it was kind of cool because it, it gave you a personal feel to it um, and stuff like that. But yeah, um, I really wish that there was another game, even if it wasn't Star Wars. If they, if they could do that with Lord of the Rings or Mass Effect or um, Warhammer or any good lore, The Matrix, I mean, anything, it wouldn't matter. If mm-hmm. you could give me that kind of open world game where you can build an economy and create a character and do all that kind of stuff, I mean, I would... That would probably be the only game that I would like. Be like, well, I guess I'm quitting my my job. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Is like I can't have another game that I'm that into anymore. Because back then, like I just didn't. You know, I had responsibilities, but you know, I was in my early 20s, and if I called into work, it didn't matter. You know, <laughs> but like now, you know, being a man, a manager and you know actually having to pay like legitimate bills. bills yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn like, those mortgages. Got a mortgage and <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean. I think obviously we would probably never be able to do it to the extent that we did it before, but yeah. I mean, there's no saying that that wouldn't be one of those things where uh, you know I'm taking I'm, I'm leaving at four on Friday instead of five, and I'm gonna <laughs> sit down at my computer until three in the morning and and wake back up at nine and yeah, I <laughs> and mean start like playing we, all day on Saturday. Like and, I used to schedule my work around what we were doing, like in the, in game. the guild, yeah, yeah, because like some days like Dynamis was one of the things that you could do only twice a week. And you had to do it like three days apart. So there were like certain days of the week that you'd have to do Dynamis. And it's like this kind of alternate reality thing. And it's actually how you unlock the relic weapons. But you could get other stuff in there too. Um, but it was like like I had to, like the days that we were doing that, like I couldn't work. You know, because yeah, I'm yeah. like, it's, it's at like 9 o'clock at night. Um, cause it's very specific, like what time you can jump yeah. back into there. And then like we would do sky like on uh, Fridays or something like that. It's like, well, I guess I'm not working on Friday, right. <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah, you know, and then sometimes I'm like, man, like I'm really enjoying Ninja. I need to get Ninja to level 75. So I'm like, I guess I'm just not going to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. It's, uh, so I played that, I think when I was in eighth grade through my sophomore year of high school seventh and or eighth grade so i wasn't i mean i really didn't have responsibilities yeah um but still i mean it was um i i mean i didn't skip school or anything my cousin did i know that for a fact he would do that all the time and he had something going on he's, oh, I'm not going yeah to i'm glad i never played an mmo while i was in school yeah. i'd probably be in a lot of trouble or i would just never be able to play it one of the two so yeah <laughs> So, I mean, it's tricky, but I really wish, you know, MMOs would go back in that direction. I mean, it's kind of weird because obviously WoW is so successful, but I feel like its success has kind of waned a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it, and at, I think at that's its why, peak, right? it was like 12 million players, and now, I mean, I'm sure it's it's well below 10 million players. Yeah. I mean, it goes back up every time they release, you yeah, know. Yeah, but everyone gets bored with it. It's done, man. Right. People are playing it because it is the only real MMO, like... It is it. I don't even know what else is out other than I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen. I mean, and Star Wars: The Old Republic. I mean, yeah. that's those are the only that and WoW are literally. I didn't even know there was another Final Fantasy one out. So if you had asked me what MMOs exist, I would have told you WoW and Star Wars: The Old Republic. Mm-hmm. And that's all I know. And, yeah, and I played Arc Age. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but uh, it was another. I think it was a Korean MMO. Yeah, I'd heard of some of the it, Korean ones, but I'm just not into that. Like again, I have to be into the world. Mm-hmm. So like. It's really hard for me unless there's some crazy gameplay dynamic that I'm going to love. It was kind of interesting, though, because it was kind of like what you're talking about. Like, it was, like, very involved 
in uh, like having real estate and stuff like that. And the, th- the only thing I didn't like about it is real estate was very limited. Yeah. So you couldn't always be there to buy uh, real estate. Um, but it was kind of interesting because people's leases would run up, and <laughs> if they didn't pay their lease again, could you, like, it would go for it would go up for sale, and it would tell you that like, hey, this lease is running up tomorrow, so you could just sit at this time, so you could it, sit there, and if they don't come re- renew the release, you could just buy it immediately. Um, and there would be like there was like farmland and stuff, and I remember this girl that I was dating at the time when I was playing it, she would get so mad because she'd come over to hang out. And like I was like in the middle of like it was it was around Halloween, so I'm like harvesting um, pumpkins. That's hilarious. <laughs> she's like, she's like, are we gonna hang out? And I'm like, yeah. Let me. I was just like, let me get these, let me get these pumpkins harvested, and then I gotta plant the seeds, and then uh, I gotta throw these on the auction house real quick because they're selling like hotcakes. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then we'll hang it's out. I mean, it didn't, you know, it didn't take forever, but it was just like something I needed to just get done real quick. Yeah, and you know, I mean, real quick is like 45 minutes, but. <laughs> It was was just so funny because I'm like sitting here like harvesting pumpkins. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that was like I mean, that was like a big part of the game. That was like a big way to make money is to actually grow stuff. Um, And, you know, it would take time to grow and you'd have to come back. I can't remember if you had to water it or whatever. But I think stuff grew slower if you didn't water it. And then if you were in like a there was like a drought or something like that, like you could have even more issues. But. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but it was it was pretty fun because like a lot of it was actually doing that, and then you could also be like a pirate in this game, so you, you could like build stuff. boats and uh, like it was like like you had to build like legitimate boats, like there were galleons and stuff like that, and people were um, <laughs> you know pirates, and there was I think there was like a pirate cove kind of thing where you can go to, and if you if you attacked enough people, because there was a lot of PvP in this game, if you attacked enough people, you would get out like outlawed, and you'd the only place you would respawn was Pirate Cove, and it's like this okay. this island out in the middle of the yeah. ocean, and there was like a crack in that cool. you could find. It was a, it was a pretty interesting game. I, like you said, I didn't have a lot um, of investment in the lore of the game, but it was an interesting game. Like there was just so many little things you could do. Um, to make money and to get items and stuff like one of the things that a lot of people would do was they would um, pack equipment um, and you'd literally just you'd throw it on your back and you'd walk from one place to the other and people could like rob you and stuff yeah <laughs> and you'd have to you know if you didn't make it you you know you didn't get the reward or whatever um, but then people started like getting mules and you can throw it on the mule and so you're like slightly faster than people right. that are chasing you and um, you know or you could get in a little single person boat and throw it in the boat and hope that nobody you know has a bigger boat <laughs> has a bigger boat and rams your boat and but it was just I mean that was a pretty fun MMO the only problem was nobody else that I knew played it so I got kind of bored with That's it after hard. a couple months or something like that but i mean people are people are trying to make mmos that are good again but it's just i don't know well, man it's just I, I not think any it's it's all video games uh we made this there was a thread in the group about um some post that some girl made or some i don't know if she's a girl man i can't remember now it was a girl because you're but, talking about resident yeah Evil. where yeah. where she was talking about how difficult the game was and i'm like it can't be that hard right it just can't be yeah and you're doing it wrong because like that in that game you're not supposed to, to kill everything to kill everything you're supposed to like wound it like shoot and stuff in the away. knee and run away from it because it's a survival horror you have a limited number of bullets my point being <laughs> is there was a lot of good uh, comments in there about how games over time have devolved oh, into yeah, hand holding 
And I feel like that's the main issue with MMOs, too, is they try and handhold you. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, go back to the, the, the Star Wars, the original iteration of the Jedi system. They literally, they didn't even tell you you could do it. Right. It just kind of started happening for some people. Which, like, so, and we go there into now, it's like, you can, oh, here, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, that game literally changed to that over time. Yeah. So, and now every game that comes out is like that, where there's no freedom because freedom is hard. Mm-hmm. Freedom is, you have to figure out what to do. You have yeah. to find a way to make it work, right? Um, and I feel like that in a lot of games, whether it's an MMO or a single player game or, or whatever, I mean, that's why I like mostly competitive games because there is none of that. Yeah. There's not hand holding. It's, I'm either good at this game and I need to, you know, and I'm, I'm, cause I'm playing other people or I need to practice. Like, right. there is no, well, if you've only, if your kill death ratio is only 0.5, we're going to give you, a boost. Like, like that's one of the reasons I don't like Call of Duty. Well, you're dying, here's your death streak bonus. Why yeah. do you get a death streak bonus? Hmm. You know, you you get a, you just gotta get better at the game. That's how you, that's what happens. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so, to me, you know, I, I don't really like that direction, which is why most of the games that I've really played in the recent past have all been single player, and, and even then, I'm not really super invested, because it's not... They are handholdy, which I don't necessarily mind in a story-driven game, mm-hmm. um, but it is a little annoying because I'm like, this is just what's the point? Like, just just show me a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's also probably why those Telltale games are are getting pretty popular, is because that's basically what they're doing. Is you just kind of occasionally push a button and which I'm I'm fine on. with it, right? Like, I mean, I, I liked um, what are the games. Um, with Nathan, uh, they're on PlayStation, Uncharted. Like, mm-hmm. those were cool because they were very cinematic. The gameplay was simple, but it was fun. Like, there, that's the thing, is I like the gameplay where it's kind of, if it's going to be simple, it needs to be innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to be doing, like, cool different stuff that's not, they're fun mechanics, but even if they're not necessarily hard. Right. Like, I'm not a big fan of unnecessarily hard stuff either, where we've talked where it's like, oh, this guy, this AI has just got six million health. And I do thirty damage. Mm-hmm. What's the? Yeah, it's just a waste. You're literally just wasting time. Like the, it's just it's designed to beat me. <clears throat> like that's not fun to me, right? Um, so I think there's this, you know, and we're gonna. I don't know if we'll see the market shift or not. Um, but I, you know, I feel like our generation versus the current generation has this big divide on what we want in a video game because we grew up when video games were difficult. They were challenging. There were puzzles that yeah. you had to try and learn. Um, and then there, you know, there were, they didn't just spoon feed you the way to get to the top. You yeah. had to figure it out and you were spending your time on forums talking to people like, Oh, you figured this out. What did you do? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you do that? And people were making guides. I mean, I remember back in the day when you played an MMO or any game, you had to look up the guide. Like, oh, yeah. If, like, there I mean, was... This whole, whole website's dedicated. Alakazam yeah. was like a big one. Yeah, or, or, just, or just, you know, um, I remember, to me, it was GameFAQs. Did you ever use GameFAQs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you had, like, the people with... they You know, they would draw in... in the, I don't forget what it's called, where it's, like, periods and dashes and stuff, and they would... I mean, they'd have these big, long guides that were just pages yeah. of text. And it was just notes. Like, notes, they'd just yeah. do, like, Microsoft Note and yeah. then just build. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And they'd about. upload these guides, and it would walk you through on how to do specific things or really walk you through the whole game if you wanted that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you had to learn that way. Yeah. Um, and, there, like I said, the game did not just give that to you. And it felt more rewarding. 
and it felt more like it, it was a community building thing too. Like mm-hmm. you had to interact with other people and you had something in common. Like, you know, if, if we met up and, and, you know, we had played this really hard game that we had both beaten, but we loved it. Like, yeah, now you're going to bond. Over you're going to bond game. over that automatically. Not just like, did you play Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, it was cool, man. It was a good story. Yeah. Like it was fun when I shot the guy on the horse. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, but imagine like, like the water temple or something, you know, yeah. in an ocarina of time where it's like, Dude, fuck that water temple. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different thing. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, you know, just like, I mean, I'm sure the guys that you went over to, you were close with the guys that you went to Iraq with, because you or, or another veteran, because you guys went through something, you did something difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, you share some common difficult experience, you yeah, know, or, or some, you know, something, some common accomplishment. Um, so I think that's missing. Um, not, to, not to go down this rabbit hole again, but I, I do think that with some of the indie games that are coming out, you're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence of some of that stuff. Um, So I think that there is hope that, that people will realize that there's still a market for that. And I think that, uh, I think people, I think dark souls is a good example of that. Um, Maybe a little bit too far in that direction for a lot of people, but um, I know that uh, Bloodborne I mean, was a little bit. It came a little similar. bit back to the left, where it wasn't as difficult, um, and it kind of it, it kind of gave people an experience that they enjoyed more than Dark Souls. Um, so you're getting games like that that are coming out um, that don't hold your hand. They're they're a little bit more on the difficult side, and it is rewarding because when you get through something that is difficult, it's like man, I I really am glad I'm not going to have to go through that again. You, know, <laughs> right. you get you just get that like real reward system instead of it just being a constant reward after reward after reward, well, and it's like there's such minor rewards that they don't really even feel, feel like, like rewards yeah. anymore. Yeah, um, I agree completely, and I mean maybe we will see that shift. My concern is it's a, it's just a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Because the younger generation are used to that, and that's what they look for in a video game. Right. And now, when you start to go back to something that's a little more difficult, like this Resident Evil game, you get those posts where it's like, this isn't Game of the Year material, I can't even beat it. Right. And it's like, well, get better at the game, mm-hmm. and you'll beat it. That doesn't make it a bad get game. Get good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as funny as that phrase is, and as, you know, as much of a meme as it is, like, it, it is true in a lot of situations, right? right. I mean... That's it exists for a reason because you have some guy in a, in a in a chat in in some shooter or something in Counter Strike and he just keeps bitching because he's losing and it's like get good I mean yeah. that's the solution mm-hmm. right play the game get better at it learn the game interface with other people that are having trouble that like, got better at the game ask them how they do it I mean there's a lot of solutions to that right. problem um, look up guides I yeah mean, there's I mean there's plenty of people that are that. You know, especially for for uh, first person shooters and stuff like that, that tell you how to get better on oh, YouTube. Shit. I mean, you know, what dude, I mean? you can like, go watch <laughs> like oh, for for Counter Strike, for example. You can go watch analysis of a, of guns recoil and spray patterns. Right. So I mean, like, <laughs> like you can learn if you want to learn and understand how to be better. At that's the, game, the thing is, most people do don't want to put in that time. And that's, and that's my point, right? Yeah. Is the, the, Especially the younger generation doesn't want to do that. They just want to be good at the game and mm-hmm. win. And it's like, well. Maybe so. That's why. That's my only concern going forward is that the market is so split, yeah, and that we're honestly not the key demographic because, as you said earlier, we had like I don't have the time to dump hundreds of hours into a game, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not their key consumer. I'm, yeah. We're just not. 
It is unfortunate. Even though we have more buying power. And <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> not really. I mean, mommy and daddy's credit card has well, a lot of buying power. That, that's fair. It blows my mind, by the way. This is a completely tangent. But when I hear stories of like parents getting credit card bills for like hundreds of dollars for like shit that they bought on a video game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I would have literally been, di- I would have, I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine like my dad finding out that I'd bought. You know, some digital, digital, like expensive digital things too. <laughs> right. Like we're not talking. Like what do you what do you mean? You bought a thousand re rolls on Candy Crush? What the? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just yeah, at a dollar a piece, right? I mean, I I don't know. And so it's um, it's just such a different landscape than when we were younger. Um, and I and that's the only reason that it scares me is mm-hmm. because the key demographic is different, and they want a different thing. And that's not there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I mean, I get it. Um, it makes sense. I just don't prefer it because I've seen the other part and that's what I grew up with. And maybe it's nostalgia or whatever, but I enjoy it. Um, and again, for me, it's the world building stuff and, and the, the challenge and reward system. I mean, that, yeah. there's something to that for me. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just like music or anything else, yeah. you know? I mean, I like nineties music because I grew up with nineties music. I hate the music of today because it's just not, it's not the same. And it's not that it's necessarily bad music. It's just not what I like, you know? So uh, video games are going to be exactly the same. Like we were used to that arcade mentality where you got three lives unless you cheated. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't make it to the end on those three lives, you were doing it again. Yeah. (laughs) get good yeah yeah, (laughs) do that grind again you know so uh you know i I do i do like that some games have gotten a little bit easier um because sometimes you just kind of you just kind of need to be able to To just decompress decompress and turn your brain off and just just run through a game like diablo or something like that but that's always kind of been the way that that game was. You know what I'm That's saying? That's the point, right? Um, it's a hack and slash. Yeah. Like, let's go kill a bunch of shit. Right. I mean, but when you're talking about like puzzle games and stuff like that, like they shouldn't get easier. You know, no. if you're trying to figure out like Zelda should not be an easy well, game. Yeah. You know, it's it's the whole point of that game is you're discovering things and you're solving puzzles and and it's making you use your brain. Like if you are getting home from work and you're trying to decompress, that might not be the game for you, you know, but if you're off on the weekend and you got a couple hours and, you know, you want to sit down and really grind and and get through that game, then that's probably the perfect game for you or Skyrim or, you know, one of those games that uh, there's just so much to do. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree. Like, like having like the waypoints where there's literally an arrow, like pointing where you need to go and that kind of thing. You know, I think that that leads to a lot less discovery. It makes games um, feel more closed. Yeah, um, I remember like back in the day, man. Speaking of games and, and that kind of <clears throat> stuff, like you just didn't know where to go. Yeah, like and sometimes that was a little bit well, frustrating. I would say that's where the guys but, yeah. would come in handy, right? Yeah, it's like all right, I'm gonna dick around in this map for like forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. If but I they, can't even make some progress, yeah, like I'm gonna pull the guide up and go see where I need to yeah. go. But then they used to. Like also like put little Easter eggs and stuff yeah, like there that was in those areas. Like you would do. find stuff. Yeah. It's not like you're just meandering, you know, around and you're never going to be able to find where you need to go. It's just you had to explore a little bit, and occasionally you'd come across a Something situation cool, yeah. that was you know kind of cool. Um, you know, 
I haven't played any of the Red Deads, but I know that there's some of that kind of stuff in there. But there's also, I'm pretty sure, like that arrow that points you, like, you need to just go here. Um, like, I'm not going to talk crap about that game. I've never played uh, yeah. it. But yeah, I didn't mean to, you I, know, I mentioned earlier, yeah. I didn't mean to, like, talk to it. was just a, a modern game. Yeah. But, like, that style of interaction with the game, I think, just kind of pulls a lot of people out of it being an immersive experience and it being more just. I'm playing a game yeah. and I'm just following A to B and that kind of thing. So. I would agree with you 100%. So, I mean, yeah, I wish, you know, if we got another open world, uh, open ended MMO in a universe that I liked, it would, it would be really hard for me to say no. Um, but I, at this point I'm not, there's just nothing, I mean, there's nothing I'm super interested in, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it's just unfortunate. Um, I still have my subscription to the Old Republic because I don't want my characters to go away and to lose all my perks <laughs> and stuff. Um, but I just can't even, you know, bring myself to do that. There, I still want to finish that up eventually. Once yeah. I, I might do that, but um, and, and and the only reason I said is because it's story driven. So like, there are class stories I haven't played through yet. Yeah, and and that's it, not like I'm going to play it for any of the MMO aspects. I'm just going to go through and play it single player. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and, and again, it's not even going to be really that challenging. It's going to be a, just decompress and do, to do something. Star Wars is going to be the purpose. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I wish, you know, in the future we, we get away from some of that and we can get back to what we enjoy in games and some of the things that we grew up with and some of those kind of mechanics and, and stuff, but I'm not hopeful, but, um, if you guys are, I don't know if you guys are, if you're listening and you are big MMO players, I mean, what are you playing now? Um, or what have you played in the past? Did you play Galaxies? Did you play Final Fantasy XI? I'm really curious to kind of to hear, you know, did you play World of Warcraft? Do you still play World of Warcraft? Um, I'm kind of curious because I really do miss a good MMO. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the things that keeps me from playing a lot of games is that I like that aspect of collecting yeah. Um and on like a single player game like it's pointless to yeah. collect stuff because nobody else gets to enjoy that with you like if I'm like oh hey I found you know this item on this single player game it's just not it's not the same like it's no. like well I found that too like you know yeah. <laughs> it's not but in like you know an MMO or something like that like you know rates of stuff dropping was kind of rare so it it felt good to to get you know a specific item or whatever um, so that was like one, I mean, that's always been one of the biggest things I don't want to play a game that I am not constantly advancing in. Um, so that's kind of why I like RPGs a little bit more, um, than like first person shooters and stuff like that, which I mean, I guess in like Call of Duty, you unlock some guns and stuff like that as you level up, but it's just not the same, no, it's you not. know, um, I don't like to to just feel like I'm just playing a game to play a game. I like I like seeing stats go up. I like seeing you yeah, know I mean, my guy so gets stronger me, you know, and I mean, that kind of thing. So from that perspective, what I liked it, for a first person shooter, <clears throat> I agree. But so I was looking at my own statistics and how they would change over time, right? Mm-hmm. So what was my kill death ratio? Where was yeah, I? I was never good enough team? at first person shooters. So I mean, but I'm saying that that that, but, that exists, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so even if you weren't good, going from a point four to a point five is an improvement. Yeah. Um, and it's just not as the, the time invested doesn't necessarily translate linearly to that improvement, mm. which it does typically in an MMO, right? You right. spend more time. It's going to, your, your stats are going to go up because you're mm-hmm. going to be grinding and getting those things. Um, but that, that advancement can still happen. Um, and you know, it would, it would turn into, okay, can I 
play with this gun and you know can i play with the desert eagle and counter-strike and just headshot everybody right i mean you know so i would do a lot of that stuff just to practice and test myself and keep keep it fresh other mm-hmm. than do we just win every time right. um so yeah i can understand that um the collecting thing is fun too. I, I'll give you that. When you get some like rare items and stuff like that, and and you can kind of have that. Like, it's a sense of accomplishment, right? Like, oh, yeah. I got this really cool thing that not everybody has. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> is is a is a cool feeling. Um, and to me, I just I love the character creation. I mean, that's to me. It's all again it goes back to world building and lore and yeah. and that kind of stuff and and being able to escape whatever you're doing, you know, in your daily life. I mean, the first MMO I ever played was City of Heroes. And that had one of the coolest character creation systems. Yeah, I regret never playing that game. Dude, it was, it I, was, I remember watching some videos on like how that game worked, and I always thought it was pretty cool. It was cool. Like uh, It was a grind, and the, the combat and the leveling was not fantastic, mm-hmm. but the character creation was phenomenal, man. Yeah. I mean, you could. there was a bunch of different cool classes. You could like make your own superhero outfit and make them look however you wanted. I remember my, my two main characters, I had one guy that was like... Um, he was like a sam like a ninja i forget what the class was but he had a sword he had a katana mm-hmm. and his name was cybernetic sword and he was a, a robot so i made him look like a robot okay and so he was like some uh his backstory was that he was some uh japanese experimental weapon that escaped hmm. okay the yeah, sword would go cool. fight crime and then i had uh my other one was was americus and he was kind of a captain america clone which is weird because i'm really not a captain america fan yeah at deep and deep deep down. i guess but, but i mean he was you know wearing the red white and blue and he was a, a tank you know so he was he was a close super strength fighter yeah so you know would pick rock big rocks up out of the ground and throw them at people and stuff um but it was really fun. My favorite thing was the movement system in that game. Or like, so you'd get these perks, right? So like, starting out, you just run everywhere. But at a certain level intervals, you could take like movement skills, and they were not class specific. Okay. So like, you could take super speed, and you would run really fucking fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you could take super jump, and you would jump really crazy far. You could fly, and you could fly around. Okay. And you could take combinations of these. So like, with my guys, I always did super speed and super jump. So I could like fucking go anywhere, mm-hmm. and it was just like crazy, you know. You just like was like run real fast and jump from rooftops and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was just really fun, um, you know. But like I said you could fly, and there might have been some other ones too. But um, but that was it was kind of cool because it even added to like the level of customization and stuff that you could make your character right. Because it yeah, wasn't it wasn't awesome. just like this class flies, mm-hmm. this class runs. You know, it was like. Well, I want to do this class, but I wanted to run real fast because all it was was a transportation perk. That was right. it. it. It had no impact on your character's performance in combat. It was solely how you got from point A to point B. Right. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is really um, cool. <clears throat> and then I played the Matrix online for a little bit too, which was interesting, but not as good. It was on the down down like down slope, I think, as far as active users when I was playing. So okay. it wasn't super populated, but there were some cool aspects that again you could make your own character, make him look like whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. He could specialize in different types of combat and you or use guns and do all this kind of stuff. And the combat was okay, but um it was the it the the aesthetic of that game looked like the Matrix, which was what was cool. Right. You had this kind of like noir, kinda like you know, kind of modern but bland cities, yeah. and, and, and just kind of this tone. It looked just straight out of the movies. Okay. Um, so I, to me, that's what I loved about it. Right? It was like all these things kind of gave you a cool world. It wasn't right. just like here are some cool mechanics, and then there's we we also gave you this world to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I 
I mean, that, that is Which definitely Final one Fantasy thing that works I love. Too, right? yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's the same like thing. Like Final Fantasy, like the landscapes looked really good and the worlds looked really good and everything. And they were immersive and large and out of this world. But man, the music in that game was what really <laughs> Well, in Star Wars in. Galaxies, I mean, you yeah. talk about it like it's fucking John. I mean, it's Star Wars music. Right. You know, I mean, I just <laughs> like, like if I, to this day, if I hear something from that game, I'm just like, damn. Dude. Yeah. Like, I'm it's, like, <laughs> it's funny because there are certain pieces of Star Wars music that they use for certain parts of that game. Like certain pieces of certain scores were like the combat music and certain scores were like the loading screen music. Yeah. So like, I'll be watching a fucking Star Wars movie and I'll hear that and I'm like, fuck man, that's, <laughs> that's some nostalgia. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm grinding out in the, you know, right. out in the, the Yavin fighting accolades or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do miss a lot of the MMOs because they were all, the coolest games I've ever played were MMOs. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Yeah, for sure. I Bar mean, the most none. fun games that I've ever played were definitely MMOs. Like, Warhammer Online it had to have been the most fun game that I ever played. I love Final Fantasy XI, and it's my favorite game of all time, but. Warhammer Online was the most fun that I've ever had on a game. Yeah. Like, for sure. Like, And that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> just MMOs in general, I think there was a, a time where, like, they were just, they were cool because they, they combined innovative mechanics. They combined a cool world with a bunch of other people. You were doing it. And we always emphasize, like, the social aspect of whatever game we're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was always key yeah. when you were playing an MMO. I mean, you could do it alone, but it always, you know... It was always way more fun. When you yeah. Had. The, the reason that I loved Warhammer Online so much was wasn't guild, because yeah. of the game, but the guild was so big, and we did such crazy things as the guild, and we were able to communicate with, you know, a hundred people at one time and, and coordinate things and, you know... Um, just be able to do whatever we needed to do to to uh, take down castles and and whole zones. I mean, we would be a, we would attack a castle in one zone and then attack another castle in another zone and then be attacking like the main city in this other place. And it's like, well, we coordinated this because we told everybody to get online at seven p.m. Right, and we're gonna go do this. And you know, the other side doesn't know this, so they only have half the people that they expect <laughs> yeah. to be online. So you know, we're the other people start logging on at at eight o'clock and they're like, holy crap, like, you know, the main city's burning. And, you know, it's just, that's cool. It, it was just really, really fun. I mean, like sometimes we would do it at like three o'clock in the morning on a, on a Saturday or something like that. It's just, you know, they, they're not expecting it. And then they come in, it's like, holy crap, like the main city's Chaos, been burnt down. Yeah. Like there's, you know, <laughs> it was just so much fun. Um, and, you know, like you said, it was the social part of it is what made it so fun. Because you couldn't do that without other people. Like, you can't just be like, no. all right, well, I'm just going to go and raise this city by myself. <laughs> 100%. So, I mean, um, again, I'm interested to, to hear if you guys are big MMO players. What do you play? What what was your favorite one? What do you look forward to in the future? Is there, if there's something that's coming out that you think is going to be cool, let us know because I'm kind of curious. If there's yeah. something out now that's cool that's not WoW or whatever, I mean, mm-hmm. let us know because I'd be interested to check it out. My biggest thing is, though, I'm a big IP guy, so I, it's got to be a cool IP. Yeah, It's really hard for me to, like, City of Heroes was okay because it was 
just generic superheroes. So that was that was an IP, right? Like right. it wasn't Marvel, but it didn't need to be. I was a superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I get that. I understand the point. It was a generic superhero versus supervillain kind of game. Mm-hmm. You don't really need IP. It doesn't need to be DC or Marvel for that. So, but everything else I've played has almost always been centered around like a big piece of IP. So, right. um, there's the Lord of the Rings online game is is out. And I don't know if they just revamped it or if they've. They, there was some some news I read about it, and that one I always considered because obviously Lord of the Rings. Was I tried great. to play that, and one of my friends was huge on that game, and I tried to play it with him. And I was just it's like, not good. Man, I just it was just weird, man. Like it was just really, really weird, and I don't even know how to like really describe the way that it worked. The mechanics just weren't as good as some of the other and I mean, polished I as some of the other MMOs it, that I ever played. And then, like, the PvP system was kind of strange. Um, at least, uh, like, what I remember was, like, you didn't play, like, your character in PvP. You played, like, somebody, like, some you, proxy almost. Yeah, and it was, like, you would be, like, a Nazgul or something like that, and you're attacking people, and they might be able to play their character or something, but it, it was, like, randomized, and I don't know. It was just, it just wasn't for me. I'm not saying that it's bad or anything. It just, right. I just didn't enjoy it. Um no, I'm just curious. It's just yeah. one of the only ones I know that's still going on. Yeah. Is the reason I didn't that even I mentioned know. It. Yeah. I can't, I'm genuinely I'm pretty, surprised. It's I'm pretty still going sure on. it's. Still, I, I read something about it. I may be completely wrong. This is how out of touch I am with MMOs. But anyways, let us know. Um, uh, but moving on, we're gonna I guess wrap it up here because we've been talking for a while. Um, so next week at Rec Bar on Saturday the 16th, we've got our um, anniversary, our year anniversary, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, we're going to have, obviously, we're at Rec Bar, so we always have a big turnout. We're going to um, be giving away some gift bags and be giving, doing some uh, door prizes and, and raffles and stuff like that. So, you know, we're hoping for it to be a pretty cool event for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be uh, providing a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, hopefully give back to you guys a little bit for, for helping, you know, us do what we do. Because uh, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you know all you guys listening to this and all you guys in the group and all you guys that come to our events. So come, come be social with us. Yeah, um, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Uh, this week again, we're not doing magic on Monday like we normally do um, at Cardinal. We're not going to do any magic this week at all. But then starting back next week, whether it's Monday or Wednesday or whatever we end up doing with it, we'll let you guys know and we'll get back into slinging some cards. Um, and in the meantime, if you guys are in the in the mood for magic, or you want to check out the, our new sponsor, stop by TTD on Hurstborn Parkway, and, and um, you know, let them know that uh, we sent you. I guess and, and, and um, talking about RPGs and stuff like that, they're wanting to do some Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So if you're interested too, in any so. of that, so let it, you know, go just go check it out and talk to them and the stuff that you're interested <clears> in and the stuff that uh, that you'd like to see them do. And I'm sure they yeah. would appreciate that too. But and let them know that we we sent you. That's so what I'm that saying. They yeah. know that uh, they know that it's it's worth being partners with us <laughs> <laughs> oh they know they know already but uh we we really do appreciate you guys listening though so um if you guys wouldn't mind if you don't already uh you know sharing the podcast uh rating the podcast reviewing the podcast doing all that stuff we really appreciate it and it helps us out big time so uh, i guess that's all we got for you so you got anything else that's it all right then we'll catch you guys next week peace